Hello and welcome to the back page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. It's draft time again. So, going straight into it, this is the Xbox versus GameCube draft. It is the most conce- conceptually flawed draft that we've done so far, <laughs> um, because the uh, the actual kind of criteria will kind of come down to people voting for their favourite console. I think more so than our choices, because. The choices are somewhat determined by the uh, the hardware. But how are you feeling about this episode, Matthew? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I've got a lot of love for GameCube. Um, I will be representing GameCube, I should probably add, um, in the draft. And uh, or is that GameCube's representing me? I don't know which way around it is, really. Because yeah. fundamentally, my success in the eventual poll hinges on the love of GameCube, which I think is going to be pretty strong. Yeah, I think so on this podcast. I think that maybe um, as as someone who owned an Xbox, I didn't own a GameCube at the time. I have a GameCube now. I've got a great affection for both of these consoles, which is why I wanted to talk about them both in this episode. I think that our listeners will, you know, as we know, they're kind of like listenership is at least half made up of people like you from Nintendo things. And like <laughs> that made me lose the N64 draft even when I was right about the best games. Uh, so. There's a lot of um, retconning <laughs> going on there. I think, I think Rich did some real damage in that last episode uh, or two episodes ago where he came in and said that uh, it was like some weird sympathy vote the the greatest lie the devil ever told is that indiana jones and the infernal machine is better than rogue squadron um, <laughs> <laughs> that was truly that was the red faction of that uh, draft that should have sunk you but it didn't and that, that's a great travesty in my eyes but um yeah um so going into this i was a little bit like well matthew i kind of know what games you'll you'll pick broadly speaking because the gamecube basically has about 20 great games and like the xbox is in a similar position there's like around 20 sort of great games and that includes some multi-format games on both sides but broadly speaking there are like you know a canon selection of like uh big uh, format exclusives so We'll come back to the draft in a little bit, Matthew. Like with the N64 and PS2 draft, I wanted to give a little bit of um, little bit of context for what we're discussing this episode. So we're pitting these two classic consoles against each other. The original Xbox uh, released... Um, it, well, both the Xbox and the GameCube released in the UK in 2002, but it's been 20 years since they launched in the US. That's why we're discussing them on this episode. The GameCube released on November 18th, 2001 in North America, and the Xbox released on November 14th, 2001. So extremely close together. The idea of two console launches close together, I mean, it still happens, but like um, it was very exciting in the moment. And in this draft, we'll pick 20 games each and compete to win. The big difference between this draft and the previous ones is we picked 10 games each in the in the last two drafts. The idea being that combined, they kind of made up what the PS2 Mini or the N64 Mini was, but that kind of got lost a little bit in the, um, in the whole discussion because it was conceptually confusing. So um, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but... Matthew, as a starting point, did you see these consoles as rivals in your head at the time? Not, not really. Um, I must admit, like at at this particular moment in time, I was still very, you know, I was such a big Nintendo guy. I didn't really think about anything outside of Nintendo. Like, I wasn't really interested. You know, I I, I read multi-format mags, so I knew what was going on. And uh, my brother Alex had a PS2, but um, yeah, it was never something that kind of bothered me too much. I mean. I would say, you know, not just this generation, but I'd probably say, you know, across the last 30 years, Xbox is the console I have the least interest for. A lot of its first-party franchises didn't really speak to me. As a machine, I don't know anyone who had one, and I had to play a lot of catch-up when I eventually edited an Xbox Mac. (laughs) 
that's uh, that's like propaganda. Like that's just simply not the not reality. For the past thirty years, the Xbox is the one you're the least interested. I mean, oh uh, no, Saturn. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, like there's like you know '90s consoles and like uh, yeah, that's just complete. Uh, sorry, but that is complete nonsense. But like, no, um, no, well, it's, it's it's down there. See, the GameCube, I think its um, reputation over time has sort of like picked up, but I didn't really see them as rivals at the time, just because they were pitched so differently. And like the um, when you look at the sort of broad sweep of games here, there's not much crossover in terms of like subject matter or sort of series. They're very much like it's very much like a Western console versus a Japanese console, I think. Mm. And um, yes, yeah, so that's quite interesting. But um, mm. yeah, so. I was um, curious about what you think the GameCube represents looking back, Matthew. And um, did it matter that they were both vying for third place in the shadow of the PS2? I think it probably speaks to like where I was at and what interests me and my diet of games media, which was pretty much just NGC magazine. Like, I feel like back then, the whole idea of like numbers and sales and basically all the horseshit that's come to like dominate like, modern game discussion. I didn't really feel like that was a big discussion. Like, I don't think anyone ever brought this stuff up in the playground or whatever we called the area we hung out at, at college. Um, playground sounds a bit infantile, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, like, in my head, I, like, I, like, I genuinely wouldn't have been able to tell you how, you know, in my head, GameCube was just where it was at at the time. Like, I, I loved it. All my friends loved it. It didn't feel like it was in the shadow of PS2 either. I'm, I'm not going to make an audacious claim and say... I, I, PS2 wasn't on my radar in the same way Xbox wasn't. That would be absurd. It gave me awesome first-party games. Uh, I have a very tight bond with GameCube because it's the first console I bought with my own money, which is a very important thing, I think. It, you know, And it's a game that I could buy more games for because I was working in home base uh, at the weekend, so I could finally, uh, you know, was free of the sort of tyranny of birthday and Christmas presents. Um, I say tyranny. God, that sounds so privilege <laughs> the tyranny of getting something awesome for christmas um poor me yeah i just was having a great time and 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 like i, I don't think i i had a greater awareness of of like wider industry things until much later what about the fact that it didn't have uh, gta games on it like that was like the yeah. big thing going on that generation and like you know the gamecube like definitely missed out that's like yeah, it's like it, a massive hole yeah, in- it missed out on that i had access to those games you know th- through a ps2 so that that was fine i think the thing it had though was just a couple of such exciting first party exclusives and such sort of uh time dominating multiplayer games that really it, it felt like a kind of a complete experience to me. You know, I, I was the thing I was, you know, always counting down to was a big Nintendo game, you know, Wind Waker and Sunshine in those um that early year, um, Smash Brothers, you know, all these things, you know, F Zero eventually. There was always something amazing first party coming. So it didn't necessarily matter that the third party game on, on GameCube was not strong. I mean, the the weird thing about GameCube is it goes from like a collection of 20 quite amazing games to just an absolute mire of like six and sevens, like multi-format six and sevens. Um, But that 20 was almost enough. I think that the Xbox, by contrast, um, had been pitched kind of very differently. It was kind of like Microsoft were taking their sort of like PC uh, sort of might that they had and then infusing it into the um, into the sort of console market and mm. you know that by and then also sort of like teaming up with publishers and developers to 
uh, sort of like uh, patch it on the Japanese side a little bit and have some kind of oomph on that side of things. So, yeah, I think combined they kind of, um, you know, they, they sort of like managed to build a lineup that was sort of viable and certainly, um, you know, it helped that it had like one of the probably the most important launch game of all time um, with Halo. So, you know, it was like that kind of powered it uh, powered it through, I think, and then it sort of picked up momentum over time and then that sort of ethos would eventually set them up for success on the 360. So mm. a lot of that gets um, a lot of that gets planted here. And, Why uh, did you pick Xbox? So I got an Xbox in 2003. I got like, um, let's think, I had a PS2 in 2001. So I think like it had a, had a price cut and then I got like a bundle. And it was like, I suppose it was relatively late on in the lifespan. But I was I was like massive into Halo. Halo was just a huge part of my um my teenage life once Goldeneye had kind of been um sort of fade into the background Halo became the thing that people I knew played you know it was the right. first the first and only land party I ever went to uh, like a friend's house was Halo and that was like an amazing day as we all played Blood Gulch and stuff and that was like you know the sort of the the dawn of real good FPS games on on these consoles that's why I say you know it's an enormously important console in that respect i know quite a few people who had xboxes and um i like the fact they had a hard drive it was more more powerful console than the ps2 when you play some of the um some multi-format games they just run better you could do things like custom soundtracks in some games that was kind of cool that was kind of new mm. um and then yeah so I, I think that the kind of it had enough kind of exclusives that i was sort of interested in and um yeah but honestly halo was the the big thing that sort of brought me in mm. but then like in later in the generation i would just buy all my multi-format games on xbox for sure in that day it would be mad not to really obviously the dreamcast had this in its dna but the xbox properly brings the online age to life and that was a massive part of people's relationship with the console it's like playing halo 2 in the in the sort of like back half of this generation you know that was basically would set the sort of uh, the agenda for the PS3 and the 360, and Sony was mm. kind of playing catch up on that, and Microsoft was way ahead of the curve on on getting that stuff in order. So that kind of defined the identity of the Xbox too. And um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I think it's a cool console. If anything, like I think the problem with both of these consoles, we're looking back, is that their lifespans are really, really short. Like they're mm. kind of just they kind of come they come and gone well within that five year period. Like um, they and they but they both sort of peter out fairly quickly i would say um or at mm. least you know after like 2004 it gets a bit dicey for both of them really like there's not like loads and loads after that after that point getting resident evil in i want to say 2005 super early 2005 right that's a booster what a shot in the arm yeah yeah mm. but by that point it already kind of like floundered a bit particularly in europe i think as well like um and then obviously they just put it out on ps2 like nine months later so it was a very quick turnaround i remember having a friend who played resident evil 4 and he was like oh this is an amazing game and then i was like that october playing it on my ps2 with slightly worse fire effects right right yeah um, so yeah, I just um yeah, I we're both sort of passive aggressively trying to undermine each other's console. <laughs> uh, well yeah, I think we are, but like I think I think but, but like just to be like the draft has already begun. <laughs> just to be honest about it though, Matthew, you started it by saying that like um by saying that it was a completely like point the last 30 years it was the most pointless console and you you're a man who worked on a Wii U magazine and it's like I mean <laughs> Rich left me rattled after that podcast. I, I, I wanted to win one for, for just outright. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So, like, if you know, it, that's why I'm sort of like going to bat for it so hard because you started the mudslinging, my friend. It does feel like an American console to me, but that's just really like subjective, isn't it? What yeah, can I say? But I, that's that's it. It's just, it has such a amplified presence. 
because it was such a joyous thing. It was purple. <laughs> but like, um, I won't dispute that the um, the GameCube's reputation has definitely grown over time. I mean, it's in that unpacking game this week, and loads of people are talking about that. So you know, that's not going to work in my favour in this draft. I saw that. Did you see the thing about people don't know that it's a console? Yeah, people are like putting it in the kitchen because they think it's some kind of toaster or something. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, my GameCube is currently on my washing machine because I had a flat inspection. So you know, like it's you not put bread in it. <laughs> not yet, Matthew. Not yet. Oh my god, um, this is this is our most toxic draft yet. <laughs> it is. We, I think we need to reset the dial on this and just like yeah, take right. a step back. Like let the game. Let the game. Politely, we're gentlemen. Fundamentally, well, that's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm forced to sling mud at a console. I think is pretty good because <laughs> because you started it. That's what happened. <laughs> Oh no no! So I like the GameCube. I've got, I've had a GameCube for the last few years. I just bought um I actually just bought Beautiful Joe on uh, eBay because I haven't Ooh. I I, uh, I don't have a PS2 anymore where I used to own that. But um yeah, so I, I've got a lot of affection for the GameCube as well. Okay, so Matthew in the Ben sixty four and PS2 drafts, we talked about the consoles in great detail. Um, I would like to have done that here, but because we're drafting 20 games, I feel like we should just focus on that part of this podcast, because who knows how long that could drag on for. So mm. um, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back with the Xbox versus GameCube draft. Let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So, another draft begins. What happens in this is we're each going to pick 20 games. Matthew's going to pick 20 for the GameCube. I'm going to pick 20 for the Xbox. And uh, basically, the voting criteria, you can go vote for this at BackPagePod on Twitter. I'll pin the poll up. It'll probably be up till, I don't know, let's think, probably early December based on the timings of when this goes live. So... You've got like a week to vote for it, basically. So what's going to happen is that we're going to each pick 20 games. You then have to vote on who picked the best uh, console, a sort of mini console, as it were, relative to the library of games. And uh, which of these consoles has the most games you want to play? Um, People will ignore that and just pick the console that's got one game they like on it. They've already been (laughs) tweeting to that effect, which is really annoying, um, because... I think people should vote for the list, not just for one game. But what can you say? Um, so that's uh, that's the ba- but that's basically the criteria. Who picked I the mean, best? You have games? won the majority of these. Yeah, that's true. But like, um, I also should have won one that I lost. <laughs> <laughs> so you're cross that you haven't won all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, only, only the ones I feel like it's justified that I win. Um, and I feel like by having, I think people voting against Goldeneye and Perfect Dark were just lying to themselves. Like. Don't pretend you wouldn't play Goldeneye. Is on an N64 mini. You, you just would. It's just. It's you simply would. Oh and like, God. um, I yeah. love that. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, sure. Go play Space Station in Silicon Valley if you want to. But like, um... It's a proto GTA Three. <laughs> no, you're thinking of uh, Body Harvest. Uh, well, they're all they're all on the road to on the road to success basically yeah you're basically we're picking 20 games each vote for the list that you like and um we'll talk about it in theory it's a friendly draft and it's meant to be a bit of fun it is but like um but then but matthew set the tone like he put he set the bar so low so early on but um i suppose uh, matthew let's uh let's talk dig into the drafting process a little bit so what did you focus on for um your selection of games here we've split into some sort of genre and free picks I feel like you could build a library of just exclusives, which is which is which is where the this draft is a little odder in that in theory, like I could completely stay out of out of your Xbox backyard. You know, the the, the competition between us or whether you know, where there is potential drama is if 
we want either of us want multi-format games and then it's a question of like do i value any multi-format games above my exclusives maybe i do in the name of building a more balanced console so that's that's kind of what i'm i've been like wrestling with and trying to like balance kind of what i can have to like what i should have after the n64 draft it got me thinking a little bit more about are there just much better versions of this thing down the line as people said with smash brothers like is it is it point you know do i really want uh, lesser pikmin say there are some like questions like that i've had to answer how about you i'm kind of in the same boat where i've got like basically a list of 20 i can pick that if um if you you know try and take games off the board or whatever i feel like i've, I've got a good list of 20 no matter what um the big difference between these consoles is well there are loads of differences between these consoles but like the the types of genres represented on each are just completely different in that respect very very different machines and um yeah i sort of focused in on like stuff that i thought spoke to the xbox's strength like there's not much japanese stuff on my list you know and like i, I you know i love games that are made in japan there's a few but it's um you know very different to the ps2 mm. draft in that respect and like i say because you know you're coming to this with um sort of big nintendo uh sort of backing because i lost the n64 draft you know despite having a great list it makes me think i'll probably lose this one anyway because <laughs> you nintendo it's just a good combination i think i've gone in too hard against xbox and lost some sympathy so yeah i picked 20 games that represent partly my experience with it but also just like the best of the console there's some interesting stuff that i just have left off the board because i don't think it will get the voters excited and like mm. um that's you know that's just a, sometimes like a tough break you gotta have for this stuff so for example um the first person like fighting game uh breakdown from by namco oh, is yeah. it a quite an interesting sort of culty game you can actually play on xbox one that's one i left off the list because i just don't think people know it i wouldn't get excited about it uh being here so like um tough break for uh breakdown that's the other thing that came up actually from talking to rich you know he was saying you were a much better judge of of like the mainstream and the mainstream taste which i think is true in these drafts and so maybe that's tempered me a little bit and i thought or well, maybe I'll, I'll go for a bit of a crowd pleaser this time where my natural inclination is to basically full it full of bullshit no one's played <laughs> um but i realized that actually that doesn't tend to resonate as well in these drafts it's tough because we have an audience that likes, you know, listening to you talk about oddball DS games from 2008. Yeah, they yeah, vote for it, though. That's the thing. Well, that that is the thing. They kind of broadly vote for games that they remember liking. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like, you know, it doesn't matter how good the list is, really. It's just got to be a list of things that they remember that are also good. Like, it's uh, <laughs> taking shots at our own listeners now. I mean, it's... <laughs> Um, the other funny thing, Matthew, is when when we when we do these lists and people say, "Oh, Matthew's list is more of a heart list," and I'm like, oh, "In what world is Red Faction a heart pick?" You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you know, a sort of like I just yeah, a shriveled up like black heart. Maybe, I would say but... they're heart lists, but I I make like a terrible mistake in each one, and if you ignore that mistake, the true console's quality comes out. But yeah. today, I promise you, no mistakes, and like. I'll be completely upfront. I created like a malice list, which was a version where I just tried to take as much out of Xbox as possible. But then I was like, this would be a horrible GameCube to play. Like the games here, they're such bad ports of excellent Xbox games. I just don't think I could do it. But I guess we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, the thing is, though, again, like, um, it maybe makes me wonder if you don't know that much about the original Xbox because oh, I've, I got, don't. <laughs> I've got like a bench of about 25 games. So I can, I'm like, fa- I'm like, I'm fa- when you said that, we were, because we've been talking about this on Discord, and you were like, oh, yeah, no, I'm pretty, feeling pretty good with my exclusives. Like, I, I'm really not kidding when in my head I'm like, 
Halo, and then Project Gotham Racing. That isn't just being snarky. Like I'm, I am hazy on Xbox. Yeah, you know that's um, that, that's perfectly fine. But like um, the thing is that the 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 games there are like quite a few exclusive games on there. They are mostly like Western made games. Um, mm. There's a few cool Japanese games as well that I've got I've got down that you can't pick, and there's also a few multi-format games that come to Xbox but don't come to GameCube because obviously the GameCube sort of like drops off fairly quickly. Yeah. So some games some games end up skipping the GameCube late in the generation, yeah. um, but, but do come to Xbox. So I was able to grab a few of those, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I do think that like you know, all sort of joking aside, I think that you've just got the inbuilt advantage of like. People just really fucking like Wind Waker and Resi 4, you know? And I think people will just vote for those. To me, that's a that's almost like a boring mini console. Like, that's that's the problem I have with the actual mini consoles that come out, is that it's just the 20 obvious picks, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I played them back in the day. It'd be nice for the convenience sake, but for, for me, you know, I'd rather... I, I'm personally much more interested in something which has, like, the mainstream flavour and the absolute classics and then maybe elevate some, like, really good stuff you missed. And I don't know if what I'm going for today is necessarily going to be that. Yeah, okay, interesting, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so I, I think we should probably just kick off with it, Matthew. Should yeah. we, like, go through the categories first? Because yeah, let's do it. how we've done this is quite interesting. We've got, like, um, two phases of picks this time, because obviously it's 20 picks. It's a lot of games, so we want to make it as, like, easy for you to follow at home as, as possible. So we'll do it in two different sections. Phase one is um, adventure slash RPG. That's pick number one. Shooter, that's pick number two. Fighting or sports, that's pick number three. Platformer, that's pick number four. Licensed game, pick number five. Launch game, pick number six. And uh, stealth or survival horror, that's uh, pick number seven. Multiplayer, that's pick number eight. Racing, pick number nine. And wildcard, pick number ten. Now... There isn't that much of a competitive element to this, but the multi-format games are draw, uh, they're drawn from a shared pool, so that's where there is some competition if we mm. want to do it. You can pick a game and then the other person can't pick it because you've grabbed it. So, you know, mm. say any multi-format game that released on Xbox or GameCube, if one of us picks it, the other one can't, but um, otherwise, you know, you're free to pick the exclusives as you wish. So that's phase one. But phase two is just ten free picks. So... <laughs> That's where it gets a bit like wild and impressionistic of like, what do I think is the thing that represents this console? Yeah. And um, the list of games are going to be so, so different off the back yeah. of this. Like my, you know, my, my next, you know, my second 10 is like just, it gets into stuff that's just nothing to do with the GameCube whatsoever. And, um, but yeah. that I think is, um, is pretty cool and valuable. So yeah. Um, any um, thoughts I on the we, categories? I think that it, didn't we also agree that we could have one, we could bring one peripheral into the mix. Yes, that's right, yeah. That can be attached to a game. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm feeling good. I, I think because we're going genres first and there's more restrictions there, That's and also because it's at the top of the draft, that's where I think if, if any like multi-format uh, skullduggery is going to take place, it'll probably be there. I've got a very small handful of things I'm really umming and ahhing about, but I feel like... If I don't take them early, they'll be off the table. But then I don't know if you're even interested in them. That's what I hate when I pick something that you weren't even interested in. Um, <laughs> that's where the mind games come in. <laughs> yeah, you know, possibly, for sure. And, like, um, that's definitely part of the fun of the draft, you know. Okay, yeah. So, Matthew, I'm going to go over the, the categories just one more time. So, phase one, adventure RPG. Uh, the uh, The second pick is shooter. Third pick is fighting or sports. Fourth pick is platformer. Fifth pick is licensed game. Sixth pick is launch game. Seventh pick is stealth or survival horror. Eighth pick is multiplayer. 
ninth pick is racing and tenth pick is wildcard. So that's like one phase, and then we'll do a second phase, which is all free picks, ten free picks, yeah. and then um, collectively we'll have twenty games each. And then at the end, you go vote for the winner on Backpage Pod, and uh, we'll talk about it on a future episode. So, oh, Matthew, should we kick off? Yeah, are we just alternating as tradition, or are we snaking? I think um, so. Snaking sounds good. I think so. People have complained in the past. It's not fair that I got to go first like multiple times, and maybe we should have thought it through. So the podcast we stole this from is the uh, the Big Picture podcast, and they do a, a something that allows you if you go first, the next person gets two picks. Is that right? And yeah, it's snakes back round. So the second person, yeah, it goes back. Yeah. So it's one, and then the next person does the two, and then it'll come back round. They'll do two. Like the bends in a snake's body. Yeah, very uh, very elegantly put. So, yes, I think that sounds good, Matthew. Um, so do you want to... Uh, do you want to do a coin flip, and we'll see yeah, who goes I'll first? Do, I'll do a coin flip. What do, what do you want? Uh, heads. Heads it is. Oh, well, okay. Here we go, then. Do you want to go first or second? I think I'm going to go first. Okay. So, uh, first up, I'm going to take Burnout 3 for racing. This proved to be a popular pick in the PS2 draft, Mm -hmm. and it is one of the highest rated racing games on the console. I thought about this long and hard. There is another racing game I had that you can't pick that I thought about, and may still pick in free picks. But Burnout 3, it's just, it's everything I want from a racing game. I don't think you need a Forza or a Project Gotham necessarily. I think a lot of modern racing games tick that box. But the very specific Burnout box... There is no game that ticks that in the modern age quite so well. So I think Burnout 3, people just really want to fucking play that. If they get their console home, plug it in, HDMI, looks real good. You know, you can't play this backwards compatible on Xbox One. Just like, yeah, Burnout 3, let's do it. Fast pace, street racing, hit the nitrous button, um, after touch, kind of like uh, stunt stuff. Just real, real good. Yep, great pick. Uh, kind of sad, sad. I couldn't pick this one either. Burnout 3 wasn't on GameCube. Um, was, was it not, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> what a great start. So that's okay. I, I was contemplating Burnout 2, but then I thought, well, all that does is let him pick Burnout 3, which is better. Um, so <laughs> I that has saved. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Burnout 2 is great on GameCube, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. It's it feels multi format, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. And uh, but I fucked it, so that's good. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, it's a, it remains a good pick by itself. But like, uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Burnout, yeah, Burnout Two would have been a weird one. It was really good though, Burnout Two. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, I just couldn't. I, I, you could have easily trumped it. So that's that's definitely off the cards now. Yeah, cool. Well, that's only like one of a couple of multi format yeah. picks I was hoping to get. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> what's your first pick, Matthew? I am going to throw a couple of multi-format things in here so remember listeners there are free picks later so there may be better things in these genres coming up later don't judge me off the bat for shooter uh i'm gonna take time splitters 2 because without it we don't have a multiplayer shooter of note on gamecube i would say like one of the the, the flaws of gamecube is that 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 is a big hole after the heritage of n64 and golden eye it's such an integral game i'm not the biggest fan of it myself but it's a classic split-screen multiplayer on a on a console, which is just so multiplayer-friendly. The the reason I didn't pick that one is because I have two Halo games on my console, and I just thought I don't I don't think yeah. I need th- I don't think I need three first-person shooters. No, so. I, I I'm just getting in there just in case. But I mean, let's just remind the listeners that you don't like time splitters, Matthew. 
So you have picked a game that you don't like for your mini console. But other people do like it, and <laughs> I'm trying to create a nice balanced diet. <laughs> well, the Rich Sandon really has rattled you, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You're picking games that you hate to try and beat me. <laughs> That's madness. Uh, next up, I'm going to take uh, FIFA 2003. <laughs> <laughs> He's made a monster of me. <laughs> Matthew is like shooting himself in the foot just to win a poll on Twitter. Oh my god! I right, listen. I don't think uh, time split is to shoot myself in the foot. I think that's fine. I think people will be excited about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's a great game. Like I, but but I believe that that's the difference between us, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> For adventure RPG, I'm going to take Beyond Good and Evil. Okay. Which is obviously the very quirky, characterful. I, I don't know. I've always thought of it as sort of Zelda-ish. I, I don't know if that's just because of the, the kind of control system in it. Adventure from Ubisoft. Cult classic, much loved. Maybe flawed in that there are HD versions you can play. And maybe I shouldn't have picked it for that reason. But I associate this as one of the good third, interesting third-party games of that generation. People who love it will be happy that it's there. People who don't love it, you know, it's a good game for them to discover. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yep, that's fair enough. It's, uh, you know, that was um, one of my... Um sort of backup picks like uh, i was gonna have that in free pick actually because i uh i know I, I thought you might not like that for some reason you know i'm not counting down the days to be on good and evil too but i like it i'm not filling my console with games that are bad <laughs> yeah no that makes sense yeah um so yeah that's um that's a, a perfectly good pick that's uh yeah a good a good choice okay so i've got two picks now right yeah first up i'm gonna take uh prince of persia the sands of time for platformer god damn it yep I thought that would be a good pick um, because the Xbox is actually kind of bereft of like really oh, good performance. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought uh, I should. That was on my malice list. I was like, <laughs> oh, I could, I could stop him on platformer by taking the good one. <laughs> uh, you know what though? I have, um, I had Psychonauts as a backup there. That's why I didn't do it because I thought, no, he'll go for Psychonauts over that. Surely. Yeah. Well, I, that's. I thought, why not have both? You know, like um, again, this. Can. Is, this is a game that's being remade, but the remake is not here yet and won't be for a while, it sounds like. So, mm-hmm. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. You don't want to, want to play it in HD on my nice console? Come do it. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, yeah, that is... And also, like, uh, I don't know, this is a, this platform is going to be an interesting category for Matthew Castle because, you know, this um, the GameCube is the console that has the worst Mario on it. So, uh, that's... Um, gonna see how that goes down but like listen the worst mario is better than anyone else's best game (laughs) (laughs) sure okay um (laughs) and that includes mario party damn it um yeah okay so that's funny um all right uh so then um next up this is gonna be my uh i think my final uh pick for uh, multi-format i'm gonna take splinter cell chaos theory in stealth or survival horror this is the third splinter cell game that released on uh, on consoles so i always consider splinter cell to be an xbox series because it started on xbox the first one was you know a timed exclusive and um you know <laughs> i guess he's got like green goggles sam fisher i don't know what can you say <laughs> um so i thought that uh, there's a few different things i could have picked for this category i had like two really good backups actually that might slot into free picks a bit later on but um yeah so uh, you know splinter cell there's a kind of purist nature to the um the original sort of splinter cell games that like you know the the new ones are just a bit different, and this is arguably the best one they've made um, to date. 
and uh, Matthew, you've uh, you just mentioned it off air to me there, but like um, multiplayer was very acclaimed as well. You know, mm. I didn't really think about the multiplayer too much, but I think that people will um, will dig playing this again. I had contemplated taking the not very good GameCube port of Splinter Cell because in my head Splinter Cell is like a sacred Xbox text. Mm. Um, for years, I thought it was a first party game. Like that's how connected to it it felt like in my head, or, or at least in the run up to it. Like what it was doing graphically, that series belonged on like the more powerful machine. The other consoles didn't do it convincingly. But then I thought, you know what? You've got other better Splinter Cells to choose from. So like nobbling myself with a not very good port of a of a Splinter Cell would be bad. So a good pick. So I'm very happy with those as multi format picks. I've got Burnout Three. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory. That's a great fucking trio, that is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess you're next up, Matthew. It always seems pointless to go with any more multi-format games, but I think there are a couple of others which are decent and maybe give this console a bit of range. So for stealth survival horror, I'm going to take Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, the only Hitman game on this platform. Hitman 2 was a big step up. I think it's probably not until Blood Money that people become like really obsessed with the series and it like becomes properly magic. But, you know, Hitman 2, God, we played that for absolutely ages. My lasting memory of this is the review in NGC where um, Martin Kitts, who was reviewing it, arranged all the body he killed loads of people and arranged all their bodies into the into a big sign saying ngc and i remember seeing that and thinking god i have to get this game that looks awesome in terms of like an adult slightly more free and open game it's quite different to anything nintendo would have ever have made there aren't many other like seriously good third person action games on gamecube so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take that one probably the worst of the hitman games that were released during this generation it's not a bad game though it's loved yeah yeah it is but if you play it it's like it's the bones of what hitman is as opposed to like you know there are some levels that are very much like hitman as it is now and then there are some levels that are just like kill a dude in a square and run off like it's quite a different proposition i think yeah. to the other ones but um but, you know but, but, <laughs> an interesting thing for people to discover and decide oh, uh, for themselves. You'll never hear me slag off Hitman on this podcast. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to take, again, sort of in the name of variety, uh, I'm going to take Soul Calibur 2 for fighting sports. Mm. A famous multi format game in, in this one, in that it had exclusive characters on each platform. Famously, Link was added to the GameCube one. Very exciting, quite iconic. This was the generation when Nintendo started like opening up a bit more and you started seeing their characters appear in other people's games. Um, infamously, I think, like Mario appear in like, some NBA basketball game, things like that. <laughs> they, get, they maybe get a little too lax. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge, huge fighting game guy, but I remember this game being blisteringly fast and beautiful really the super shiny arcade game the link thing was really fun you know i think it's good across all platforms it isn't one which is like massively hobbled on gamecube or at least not in my memory i'm, I'm just trying to create a more complete picture of of, of gamecube so let's put that in there yeah you know that's uh, i think that's a good pick um i think that's a game that like i think the link thing just gives you an advantage on that as a pick um, you know, Who was I the could... Xbox fighter? Was I think it Spawn? It was Spawn. Yeah, I think Spawn was. Um, <laughs> At last. Know, I, well, I actually think that's dated quite well. Like, um, people have come back around to uh, Spawn's, like, um, the image comic stuff is going through a bit of a renaissance oh, at the it? moment. Yeah, I think it's like, it was about, it was like a bit, considered a bit passe about 10 years ago, but now is like, 
uh, people are just quite big and um, they're making another movie, I think, with their uh, Blumhouse. So uh, that could be uh, oh, that right. could, could be okay. good. I guess we'll see. But uh, yes, um, uh, yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think I, I kind of associate this as a GameCube game because I noticed the people I did know who had a GameCube, this was cropping up in their collections more commonly than it would on like, you know, PS2 or, or Xbox. So I think that's yeah. um, a fine pick. Um, so my next two picks, Matthew. Are you ready for a bit of chaos, my friend? Oh, okay. So for license game, I'm going to pick The Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> so you this... said no more multi-formats. Yeah, I, I lied. Um, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you would have picked this though. But it was on my list. Oh wow! Well, you know what? But as a yeah, spite pick, <laughs> you have to think laterally. And <laughs> this game, you can't play it on modern formats. You can't. It's oh no, you know, it's a licensed game from the past. It's trapped in like probably some kind of licensed hell. And who knows if it'll ever re-emerge. There have been efforts over the years, I think, to try and get it to have some kind of remaster, or at least it's talked about on websites, but it's never happened. So The Simpsons Hit and Run was a mega-selling game, and um, it ran better on Xbox than it did on other platforms. You know, not that massive, matters massively. Basically, The Simpsons applied to a GTA template, but with a you know dialogue and story written by the um written by a show one of the writers of the show and then uh, featured like in universe itchy and scratchy cartoons and had all the voice actors and generally speaking is considered the best simpsons game and um i think that that makes this a good pick because i think that people probably do have nostalgia for this game but don't have any way to play it in the modern age and that's what a, a mini console should do it should solve that problem for you mm. so the simpsons hit and run matthew any thoughts yeah, I mean it's it's a very interesting combination of like extremely mainstream but like you say totally obscure because of just the way things are now in terms of what you have access to. Mm. Uh, I know there's a lot of love for it. I I'm not I'm not crazy about it. It it wouldn't have been a heart pick. Uh but I thought oh it's it's pretty juicy. It is a juicy one and and <laughs> it has that kind of sort of cachet of 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 exclusivity now. Like I I remember it being only fine, but then I I think there are a lot of games from this period which were only fine and people, I, you know, you only had to be like three or four years younger for it to be like quite an important game to you. Yeah. You see it a lot on like YouTube lists and people talking about it and I'm like, eh? But it's always people slightly younger than me. So If you were like 16 at the time and playing GTA, maybe you're, it's less likely you were playing GTA when you were like, I don't know, 10 or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, unless you had yeah, my dad uh... to go and get it for you. But yeah. That is that is a good pick. I know it, it literally on my list says hit and run next to it in brackets stop Sam. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's I how don't... that's. I mean, how did things get so bitter? Right? I mean, it used to we used to be just good friends talking about computer we are games. Good friend, but listen, the draft is serious business. <laughs> it is, yeah, um, yeah. I honestly thought that you would like shit on this pick, and I'm quite surprised. To no, hear you no, accept. it's I, 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 it's it's a really good one. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, you could be luring me into false sense of security there, but who knows? It's all mind games, mate. Um, <laughs> so, my next pick. Now, this is an exclusive. This is my uh, ace in the hole, I would say. My wild card is Steel Battalion. And the peripheral I'm going to pick is the controller <laughs> that came with Steel Battalion. So, so you're really pitching a, miss, uh, a mini console with that controller? <laughs> yes. It comes with the controller. Like, um... <laughs> You know, if you if you look at them on the shelves, and let's just say like we take a massive hit on the RRP to give you this controller, like you've got an Xbox with this gigantic like you know mech interface and like some pedals, 
and like a mini Xbox next to a tiny little GameCube on the shelf. Like, what are you going to pick? So, oh, Steel well. Battalion, and a, a quite obscure Capcom game um, that indeed was like a kind of mech simulator game that had this very like uh, immense deck kind of style controller with like a joystick and stuff and um you know famously became quite hard to get hold of like it'll set you back a pretty penny on um on ebay and stuff i've picked this because i think this represents the the depth of the xbox's weird library it has some strange games on it and some strange games from the japanese side as well and this is like i don't know this feels like a, a coveted cool thing to have on this console i can't see any way this will ever be re-released in any other form so mm. you might as well have it on my console and, um, you know, it comes with the controller, damn it. So you can enjoy that experience, something you probably never got to enjoy at the time on the Xbox. So that's my pick, Matthew. Any thoughts? That is powerful. Um, the creator of this went on to create uh, one of my favorites, Infinite Space. Um, obviously on DS without... It didn't replicate an entire spaceship controller uh, for DS, sadly. You just had to do it on the touchscreen. Uh, I've never played Steel Battalion. I would definitely buy a mini console in order to play it. Um, yeah. A really great pick. Oh, well, thank you very much. I thought, um, yeah, again, I thought you would uh, question the logic a bit more, but like... Uh, no, I've... no, I think it's... Fa- I think that's that's a fantastic gimmick. Like, I think these mini consoles, they sometimes need something, like, so- slightly shouty, like, you know, we're, re- we're releasing the never-before-released Star Fox 2 on the SNES Mini, and you're like, oh, there's a bit of a story in that, and there's not really a better story than if you buy this, you also get the Steel Battalion controller. <laughs> like, yeah. That will definitely make front page of Kotaku. <laughs> <laughs> it's got 44 input points, like button, <laughs> and it's buttons, two, two joysticks, a throttle handle, a radio channel dial, five switches, an eject button, and three foot pedals. <laughs> so... That's what you get when you buy this mini console. Still probably um, more pleasant to use than the actual Xbox controller. <laughs> no love for the Duke, Matthew? No, no. <laughs> but you're a man who's got giant hands. I thought you would have been all over that shit. But, you know, I, I, I like the Duke, but it's uh, it's fine. We don't need to litigate that. Um, so what's your next pick? Well, listen, if you're on the shelf and you've got that controller in the box, right. there's only one thing that I could possibly crack out that could draw the eye away from it. <laughs> right. It's, of course... The GameCube bongo drums. Right, right, right. Yeah, of course. Uh, for platformer, I'm taking Donkey Kong Jungle Beat with the bongo drums. This is the fantastic 2D platformer that you control by rhythmically uh, banging those drums and then you bang them both at once to do jumps. It's a fantastic game. This is like weirdly a kind of, and you're going to say I'm really overselling it here. <laughs> this is kind of like a proto Mario Galaxy this game i've seen you say this on twitter before before this draft so i can i can at least let that go this is this is the game the team makes before mario galaxy uh it almost feels like like engine wise you can see them experiment with certain things there's some texture stuff in here and there's literally some level mechanics which are then wholesale lifted into the 2d sections of mario galaxy like when you're swimming through floating water and things like that there's a lot of like jellies and liquids and interesting substances in junk in um jungle beat it's quite a short game which is why it maybe doesn't have like the mega scores that you would expect from the team that's about to make mario galaxy but it's also one of those like incredibly pure replayable arcade things just a hit of like purest platforming joy incredibly fast frantic innovative perfectly tailored to this ridiculous control scheme i i think this is just a fantastic game that everyone should try can i say it's as sexy as a steel battalion controller probably not but uh, i think getting some bongos with this would be a, a fun little treat and 
you may think I've sacrificed other important peripherals for that, but uh, I'm I'm going to stick with it. Uh, so, I mean, you know, the RIP, the uh, Resident Evil 4 g- g- uh, chainsaw controller, Matthew. That's, um, <laughs> sh- shame not to see that make the cut here. Uh, but I think that... So this is a 2D platformer, right? Yeah. Why does it need some fucking drums? They'd made the drums for Donkey Konga, the, right. the rhythm game. So you get the idea there, like, we've got all these drums out there. Let's mm-hmm. try and have another game for it. So they just strip the platformer back to... It's almost an auto-runner. And that's how you, so that you, you need minimal controls to play it with. But it also, it's got lots of moments where, you, you know, when you knock a boss onto its back and you jump on its belly, and it's just like thump those drums to really, like, crunch them. It's got that really tactile thing Nintendo do. It is a ridiculous controller, but this is the best showcase for it. It's Nintendo doing what they do best, trying to kind of play with very unique hardware. It holds up as a platformer. Like, they re-released it on Wii without the, the bongo drums, and it's greatly diminished in terms of the controls, because you're just thrashing the remote and the nunchuck instead of hitting the drums. But it's still held up as an actual, like, platformer itself. I'm confident in the quality of just the, the core game, but it's the drums that make this pretty spectacular there we go there goes matthew trying to um rule out the uh Wii port as a viable alternative there to uh heighten, <laughs> heighten the interest side note you can't play steel battalion on the Wii. you have to uh you, you have to buy my console to enjoy it but uh yeah <laughs> i think that's a good pick though matthew um that's not, that's a game that wasn't even really on my radar until you started tweeting about it uh and then a few months ago and then i started looking it up and i was like oh okay i didn't know the mario team made this that's quite interesting so, yes, good pick. Um, it's uh, your next pick, right? For launch game, I'm going to go Super Monkey Ball. Interesting. I, maybe this is because this was the first game I got at launch. Super Monkey Ball's gone on to be a, a very popular thing. It sort of begins here, arguably, like some people may feel Super Monkey Ball 2 has like more going for it in terms of modes and things, but I'd say everything this series is ever going to do right is here. I would also say it's a series that's like quite diminished as it goes on. Um, I don't know whether it's because like, you've only really got one Monkey Ball game in you, which is maybe how I feel, which is why I'm not mad about the others. A game built just around tilting that analogue stick, steering these giant arcade levels to steer a monkey in a ball through some bananas. Um, a very classic kind of Sega arcade idea, super stripped down. It's kind of hilarious that this has got sort of headed up by the Goshi at the time, just before dipping into Yakuza. Maybe a nostalgic pick because it, it was what I played on, on the first first time I ever played a GameCube. I, I don't think you can argue with Super Monkey Ball. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good choice. It's a you know, quintessentially GameCube game. I, I, I do have the option to pick Super Monkey Ball Deluxe, which comes with both the levels for one and two and all the mini games, um, just to undermine this pick. Will I, I do mean, it? That would, be, that would be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> it would, yes. But, like, um, you know, certainly, like, uh, well, uh, I'd say, like, relations are, like, fairly um, warming up again between... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Castle Productions and Big Sammy Holdings at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, that's a good choice. I do really just, I do just think of this as a, a GameCube game. Though I think it's like yeah. the only uh, one of the only launch games that was launched in all territories because I think like the Japanese launch had quite a small lineup, but this was one of them. And um, yeah, has always been there from day one. And yeah, I think I agree with you that like the first one you play is probably the one that you'll um, you'll love. And yeah. these opening ones were really good. It just looks like it belongs on GameCube as well. Like that that silly little purple box plays this quite abstract sort of checkerboard world with these big bright colours. It's a uh, like. It's the right game to kind of come out of that machine. This is quite an exciting Sega time as well in terms of them starting to do multi-format stuff. There was like, you know, some really interesting experiments in there. And uh, yeah, I think this is um, this is a good choice. Um, yeah, 
definitely GameCube to its core. What's your favourite minigame, Matthew? I mean, you've got to say old um, Target, haven't you? Target is real good, but yeah. I never got obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with any of them. Like, in the way that some people do. Because, you know, it's such an obsession that, like, a lot of the subsequent games are reviewed. Like, it doesn't really matter what they do. It's basically, did I like Target in it? Or did it even have Target in it? And (laughs) if they fuck that, then it puts the reviewer in such a bad mood that the rest of the game's sort of cursed because of it. It's funny, because the the real game has nothing to do with Target at all. It's completely different. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's funny now how much of a long shadow it casts, you know. I have the same thing with the Mario balloon battle. If a a game has a really honking balloon battle, you're like, I used to really love this. And you definitely dock it some points. Like, the Wii balloon battle is so rank that it, it, it loses points after the GameCube one. Okay, yeah, good pick. My next pick is going to be for Shooter. I'm going to take uh, Panzer Dragoon Auto. So that's a, a Sega-made uh, sequel to the uh, Saturn series. Really, really gorgeous. Like, one of the best games in the system. Really, really fun. This is definitely, like, a, a big heart pick. I played this a whole bunch on the original Xbox. It was... Um, I think I grabbed it for like twelve ninety nine from Play.com and then just played a whole bunch of it. Just really, really nice, fun to replay, arcade-style shooter. Just kind of like, you know, ride ride a dragon, shoot some things down. Not loads more to say about it, but like in terms of the best Japanese games of the system, this is certainly up there. Um, it's really, really good. You can actually play on Xbox One, so that's like the, the one slight downer. But I don't think that means it shouldn't be on this console, because I think to mm-hmm. a lot of people this represents the kind of like, again, the depth of the console. Surprising depth to uh, the original Xbox. And then my next pick is going to be for fighting or sports. I'm going to mm-hmm. take Jet Set Radio Future. So, I think this is a great pick, because you can't play this on modern formats. Um, the, the, the best way to play it is still on the original Xbox, because... You can play it on the 360, but the backwards compatibility is quite iffy. doesn't run very well, and um, I believe it hasn't been re-released. So it's speculated to have not re-released because the um, of music licensing rights. So right. kind of like a, a sort of like a skating, kind of like graffiti game with beautiful cel-shaded graphics. Um, the original uh, Jester Radio is very widely available. You can play it on pretty much anything. But um, I remember my friend uh, down the street bought uh, an Xbox at launch in Europe, and this was one of the games he had. He had this on a disc with Sega GT, I think it was. And it just looked fucking amazing and would look really, really good, blown up to HD. And um, yeah, Jet Set Radio Future. Everyone always wants the series to come back. I think it's, like, it's an indie developer making a sort of spiritual successor right now. Um yeah, just phenomenal. I think it's something that people would really dig seeing on the original Xbox. Do you ever play that one, Matthew? No, I've not played that one. I've played the original um, when they re-released it on like Xbox Arcade. Incredibly stylish game. Um, yeah, this is a weird generation for Sega. It's like everyone else like harvesting all their good IP that they don't really have a home for themselves. Yeah, some like they kind of scatter to the wind a little bit. Like Sonic yeah. ends up on GameCube, and then yeah, some of them more. I don't know, like uh, Jet Set Radio Future and um, so Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi end up on Xbox and yeah, a PS2 Isn't gets there like Shenmue on, on Xbox? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't pick that, but I did play Shenmue 2 on Xbox actually, but I didn't feel like that was, um, it's, it's kind of a weird pick by itself without the first one. And uh, yeah. obviously there's a HD version of that. But like, honestly, Jet Set Radio Future, just go look at some gameplay for this. It looks, it looks so, so fucking good. Like right from the middle of that, like um, people doing interesting games a bit like Tony Hawk kind of thing. But like def- definitely like one of the best ones. So uh, yeah, I really vouch for it. Mm. What's your, uh, so it's your pick next, right? Matthew? Yeah. So licensed game. Let's go Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. Absolutely stunning 
mind-blowingly good-looking game. You know, this this was one of the ones where I saw early footage of it, you know, given away. I must have been on, like, a video, I guess, on the front of NGC and, and just thinking, like, holy shit. I guess that's why in my head, like, I can't really comprehend this thing of, like, you know, GameCube was a bit underpowered. You're like, that is one of the best-looking games of the generation. The Death Star stuff at the start is... It just looks like it, and it does in the film. It is amazing. The lighting effects, how smooth it all is. I mean, just as like a like a visual powerhouse, um, the stuff that team squeezed out of out of the GameCube, unbelievable. I definitely take this one over the third one because that introduced the weird on foot sections where the guy basically had the handling of a spaceship, and they absolutely blew. <laughs> this is a show your friends make them jealous. Oh my god, it looks so good. Yeah, it was real, real good. I was, um, and it still looks really nice. That's the thing. Like, if they just re released this, but it, it, it ran at 1080p, people would be like, yeah. that still looks like a modern game, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really rate it. I'd, actually, one thing I only learned about this game recently is that I think, like, Factor 5 built all of the tech stuff, but it was LucasArts that did all of the art for it. Um, oh, so, right. like, so that's quite interesting. They were just Factor Five were just like a tech powerhouse, basically, mm. and that was what they did. But yeah, they sure got a lot out of the GameCube. A good pick as well because it's um, notoriously hard to emulate this game. You can't just like play it outright without a whole load of faff. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a good pick, Matthew. So for racing, let's go for an absolute crowd pleaser, uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. Now I struggle to know like where this really sits in terms of like people's appetite for Mario Kart. But I think the dual racer mechanic where you have a bloke in the back and a person in the front means it still has a bit of identity to its own, still has a sort of feel of its own. The specifics of its, like, balloon battle mode, I absolutely loved, like, the maps. This was easily, like, our most played game at university. Like, this was our multiplayer game, playing in balloon battle mode. Just an abs- an absolute treat. I think this is the one which, like, Edge famously gave it, like, a four. This was, like, a classic era of, like, very strict... Uh, slash joyless edge i thought for me i thought i thought this was just such a treat and i i thought mario kart wii was bland in comparison a classic multiplayer game has to be on there um i'm assuming you've got no 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 argument against that <laughs> no it's a weird one though in the sense that like you know if uh, you know i paid mario 64 on my um from the N64 mini draft. I think that these mini consoles, people expect to see Mario Kart on there. But like, um, I think if given the choice, it wouldn't be anyone's first pick from a Mario Kart game to play now. Um, it certainly, no, it doesn't yeah. feel like the most loved to me. No, it's not, as, it's not as good as like the Switch one, you know, which is just like absolutely so, so super amazing. But it's got its own like art style. It's got its own vibe. Um, vibe, which is a very vague term when you don't really want to justify your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah and uh, it's that vibe that i'm kind of channeling with this bit yeah yeah i I tried to exp- to justify a film i hated the other day by saying it had good vibes and then like <laughs> question myself afterwards what do i actually mean by that and I, I, I didn't really know matthew i didn't really know maybe it's nostalgia maybe i'm just gambling on other people having that nostalgia come on it's mario kart no one's gonna be like oh yuck mario kart yeah, but they could be playing uh, Burnout Three on my console. But uh, that is sexy. But I, I, I just cannot offer that to people. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, good stuff. So um, my next two picks then. Going to get two really obvious ones out of the way. They just need to be off the table. So launch game. I'm going to pick Halo Combat Evolved multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Halo Two. So. <laughs> 
yes, you can pick both of the, you can play both these in the Master Chief Collection, but it's a mini Xbox, damn it, a mini original Xbox. Yeah. And um, this this thing needs to offer the, the Halo game. So, like, when you look at every list of the best games in the system, these two are normally one and two. You know, absolutely uh, sort of like genre changing uh, first person shooter games. Just showed everyone how to do it. Uh, arguably, Time Splitters did before them, but, you know, certainly. Nah, like, come on. <laughs> Well, you know, the other thing is that obviously, like, the multiplayer of Halo 2 was just so, so massive in the moment, so important. And, um, you know, just just kind of, like, kicked off the next age of online games, essentially. And so, um, yeah, I think making them viable and was really important. Obviously, I think the original Halo's got a better campaign than uh, Halo 2. We've got a Best Halo Games episode coming up where I can talk about these games a bit more. But, like, um, the Halo was the game that got, got me to buy the console at the time. It was the the game that just it made me so excited. There was just nothing like it on PlayStation or GameCube. It was, like, speaking to the console strengths. They built... Almost felt like, a, you know, the, the the game matched the hardware in such a kind of perfect way. And even all these years later, obviously, Microsoft's still trying to make... Um, uh, you know, Halo as big as possible and as synonymous with Xbox as possible. It's never really uh, properly dimmed. So, yeah, these Halo games have to be on there. I will have more detailed thoughts on both, though, when we do that Halo games episode, Matthew. Took me quite a while to click with Halo. Halo 3 was the first Halo game I owned and played, and even then it took me playing with people who kind of were, like, into the game and, and into some of its... Qu- I think it's got a couple of quirks compared to other shooters that you have to kind of get your head around for it all to kind of come together. And I think I remember playing this on a demo station in a shop and being like, eh, I don't really get it. But is isn't me trying to smear it at all. Like, even I, bad Xbox opinion man, would not um, claim <laughs> that... Uh, Halo One and Two are like absolute essentials. I mean, they're the they they are the they are Xboxes Mario. You just have to have them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I imagine you'll have the same bind when, or if if you even pick um, the Super Mario Sunshine, I assume you will. But like, uh, yes, you just ha- you have to have them on the system, and uh, yeah, they still yeah. hold up very very well. So play those with the Duke controllers. You get get four of them with the console. You can hook those up, have a good time, and uh, some good two thousand. Uh, one vibes in your living room so matthew <laughs> what's your next picks so for multiplayer i'm gonna go warioware inc mega party games mm. my second most played multiplayer game at university after mario kart and i think the most successful version of warioware for my money in terms of patching it into something more like i love warioware the single player stuff you fire through those games you know and, and they they pack it with enough like weird stuff around the edges that they justify themselves but for me like the way this brought together that core idea of just playing a lot of very short mini games with the sort of framing of multiplayer party games was really well done specifically there's one called wobbly bobbly where you complete the mini games to like earn turtles which are stacking and in between rounds you're sort of standing on these turtle stacks which wobble about so you have to sort of balance on them there's a thing where i think if someone falls off they become a turtle on the ground and they can like headbutt the bottom of your pile to try and fuck you up very like pick up and play which is like essential for for that for those kind of multiplayer games but also just had sort of the whole thing infused with the the like the manic energy of of the the main mini games, I don't think there's been a better WarioWare game since then. This is still it for me. Yeah, this is um you know a, a definitely like a a good one to pick. I tried to play this with my girlfriend during lockdown, and I think just like how much setup was required and how old it looked and what the content of the mini games were, just like seemed cursed to her in a way that she couldn't <laughs> quite get over the 
the, <laughs> the boundary and just enjoy playing it. Um, this is the one with the balloon minigame, right? Yeah. That's really, really good. I think it was really cool that they did WarioWare so quickly and then like migrated it over to this um, to this GameCube release. Uh, I think mm. it's definitely... I, I've no idea what the latest WarioWare is really like. Did you play that one? It's on my to-do list before the Game of the Year episode, though, so I will hopefully get to play it somehow <laughs> the episode where matthew will have played every single game released in 2021 in order to have the most comprehensive list but um <laughs> yeah a good pick yeah um for multiplayer games yeah i mean like you've already got mario kart on there so like i feel like you've taken care of it to to some extent gamecube you have to make up for the kind of the online thing i think between mario kart time splitters and WarioWare, and another pick i'm gonna make in a bit uh I've, I've got people covered for split screen yeah i can imagine what that other pick will be so uh yeah good stuff but uh yeah good choice matthew for wild card i'm gonna go with killer seven yep good choice i know you can play it on ps2 as well yeah and there's a modern pc version as well but this was my like in- as i imagine it was for a lot of people like introduction to suda quite a strange hard to- hard to play game sort of on the rails in the way that you're walking through these very sort of stylish environments and then you kind of switch into first person to shoot these um, monsters that kind of shuffle towards you maybe doesn't quite all click together as, as a sublime like action experience but in terms of like Suda's sort of um, very like choreographed sort of cinematic worldview like literally sticking a third person action game on the rails is, is kind of the perfect way to deliver it it looked absolutely amazing um, I couldn't really explain what any of it's about there's split personalities you're playing as the multiple people inside the head of the central killer the killer seven you are just a wild cool thing to have <laughs> yep definitely like um i i re- remember coveting this when i had a ps2 at the time i think it released a bit later on ps2 and um i certainly thought this looked stylish i still don't really like know the deal with it but um i hear that the pc version because it's got mouse controls make it, it makes it extremely easy which is quite oh yeah uh, that would be yeah because the the enemies have like a very tiny point you need to kind of hit them on which is where mm. the stress comes because they're walking towards you it's almost like a light gun game um in that sense but um yeah i don't know just classic weirdo nonsense can i ask what were the other wild cards you considered for this category uh chibi robo oh yeah that would have been a great one yeah yeah um that was actually the only one i didn't have many other wild cards for this not a big uh pokemon xd guy matthew no no there's no <laughs> I will tell you in advance, there's no Pokemon on this console. <laughs> um, I, I just don't remember GameCube having quite the same like weirdo import scene as N64, for example. Mm, like yeah. NGC definitely had like fewer totally weirdo things in there. Um, I contemplated Ikaruga. Um, yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, but. Uh, I also, I uh, I don't know, I just suck at that game so much that I, it would just make me cross to have it on there. <laughs> I thought that would be that would be just not true to myself. Maybe I'll change my mind as I go along. Uh, there's fine. still space. There's still space for manoeuvring here. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I keep changing my list in the background um, just because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm panicking that I've got the right 10 for the free picks. But yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, good choice. Um, I, the other, there's like other GameCube stuff like um, Bat and Kytos I thought about like uh, with Matthew Pickett. Catherine that was um, petitioning me to put that in because she really likes Bat and Kytos. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think I could wing it. I don't know it well enough to, to, to be, you know, I know that it's called Bat and Kytos. Involves mate, cards? <laughs> mate, I picked Steel Battalion. Like, uh, <laughs> do you think I've played that? <laughs> 
Um, it's aspirational. I would like to play that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't. Yeah, I can quite easily play that in Kytos. Like it's sitting on a shelf next to me, so I can. <laughs> I, you know, it's not as aspirational and out of reach. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so I've got one more pick for this section, and we're done, right? Then that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my final pick is for um, uh, av- adventure slash RPG. I've made the very difficult choice not to put Fable in my list because I, I just think... I mean, I know it's synonymously Xbox, right? I just don't think people would want to play it on a mini Xbox. I just don't think it would be like their first instinct to think, I'll play this, when obviously there's Fable Anniversary, which yeah. is backwards compatible. You know, it just it is the same thing, but like uh, Rezzed Up is backwards compatible. There are also better Fable games in the series you can play, Fable 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, and I, in the end, I just thought, I don't think you need to have it necessarily. Like, it, I don't mm-hmm. think it would get people really excited about the console. So, for this category, I've um, picked Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So, obviously... Oh, yeah. Um, this uh, the Xbox is a big RPG console. Got a whole bunch of those coming in my free picks. This is the first um, Bioware game released on the system, set thousands of years before the movies, and um, would prove to be enormously popular as a bit of Star Wars storytelling at a time when Star Wars was quite contentious on the big screen. Obviously, um, features a bunch of memorable characters. I would say that like takes Bioware one step closer to that Mass Effect thing of like bringing RPGs properly into the mainstream and mm-hmm. um, finding ways to present them cinematically. Um, because it's obviously unshackled from the um, from the uh, main continuity of Star Wars, it's uh, you can uh, they do some quite big things with the story. A lot of people know the twist in this, but it is obviously an extremely good twist, very memorable twist. Um, it's being remade. Um, you can buy this on modern formats, but you know, have it on my Xbox. It represents like one of the um, what the console could do as an RPG powerhouse. It wasn't released on any other console. I think it's got to be here. So, any thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I, I, I love this game. I played it on PC. Yeah, this is what I, I definitely did read about this in mags and and had had big pangs of jealousy. I guess this was a time when like there were still quite a lot of good Star Wars games sort of happening. So you know when one comes along and people are like, "This is really good," that means something. I think now if you're like, "Wow, they've you know there's a, there's a great Star Wars game," you're a little like, eh. you know, I think it's a little diminished as a video game kind of license um, mm. in this day and age, slightly compared to this period, I would say. Do you really? You know, oh, well, maybe compared to this period. Because this period, you've also got like Jedi Knight is still doing the business. The Star Wars flight games, the Rogue Lead, we have Rogue Squadron. There's a lot of good Star Wars games. Yeah, around the turn, the turn of the millennium. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's a bit later before it starts to drop off a bit. But um, yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. I you know, big, meaty, brilliant game. Great writing, great characters. A brilliantly you know evil robot, which is like you know now a tired trope but there kind of felt like it invented a lot of like you know the villainous sort of shit shit back character that everyone secretly loves mm. um yeah really good stuff yeah absolutely so it feels like a strong pick even if you can yeah play it great on pick. things my opening xbox gambit seems even more foolhardy <laughs> <laughs> but you're uh, reminding me of stuff i'd forgotten about like i genuinely had forgotten about night seal republic but i remember <laughs> at the time being like ah I want it, I want it, you know, enough that I bought it on PC. Yeah, uh, that's, that's funny, that is. I wondered if you would have expected the um, Steel Battalion pick. That was why I asked about the peripheral thing, because I thought, that would be pretty cool. But yeah. No, I no, I must admit, I, I, no, that that, uh, that had passed me by. Um, I didn't really think of that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, I, in hindsight, I should have, because it's a little bit like, what else are you going to use it for? <laughs> 
<laughs> a light gun, you know. Well, the other famous Xbox peripherals, such as... <laughs> oh, of course it's the giant replica of a mech control suit. <laughs> Yeah, in some ways it was like a cheeky pick, I suppose. No, it's great. I mean, it, it, the the bongos seem very weak. <laughs> we should definitely keep this in the podcast now. It's yeah. too good not to keep in. Plus, we've um, we've calmed down now. We've stopped taking swipes at each other, so that's good. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So that's uh, phase one done, Matthew. Should we take a short break and come back with ten free picks for phase two? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. Matthew, let's continue with the draft. Phase two is ten free picks. Any yeah. uh, any opening thoughts before we get to this part? I had to pick some weird stuff up front, and maybe the Nintendo diehards were thinking, what's he doing? Is he really throwing away the advantage of having the GameCube? Uh, but I like to think that the good times are coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So Matthew's picked a game that he openly dislikes. That's good, but... Um... <laughs> You know, oh, that's I mean, that's one way of framing it. <laughs> I'm thinking um, of the gamers, <laughs> so um, for the in, gamers <laughs> in this section, Matthew. I don't know if we necessarily need to keep the snaking thing here because no, I no, yeah, there's no crossover at all here. So, um, why don't we just go one by one? You go first with your free pick, and then we'll go from there. I mean, really, the order of this is sort of irrelevant, but I want to end on a high because I have a nasty habit of ending the drafts on a sour note, and then everyone just remembers that. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to start with my weakest pick, which is Super Mario Sunshine. I think it has to be on there because it's the 3D Mario. And it is. there's a lot that's brilliant about Super Mario Sunshine. Like, technically, it's gorgeous. It has a lot of, like, really weird effects. Like, the paints, the, the sort of paint textures, you know, still to this day, like, really impresses me. The kind of cleaning it up and, and spraying it away is, is super tactile and fun. I, playing it again on the Switch um, recently... The giant solar panels which reflect the world. That's such a cool effect. Like, it's still now, like, really, really impresses me. There were so many, like, wow moments about this, which kind of counterbalances the fact that it's, like, a very weird, uneven platformer because this jetpack comes in and, like, messes up, you know, basically Mario's rhythm because he's got his core moves and then he's got his core moves plus what happens if I spray water at any given time and it it, it makes him it's it's the precision that I that I think he refines in Galaxy and I really loved and here that's vague but I will genuinely still take a kind of imprecise Mario over most other platforming heroes I love the actual Al Delfino so gorgeous the kind of tropical holiday vibes it's got some really great level concepts I know some people feel like felt quite sad after this that Mario, uh, that Nintendo gave up on the kind of the worlds which you go into and sort of explore uh, for shines. You know, Galaxy is definitely a lot more linear after this. They kind of go back, obviously, in Odyssey and, and completely kind of fix that and strike the balance perfectly. This is this is still a good game. It's an uneven Mario. Yes, you can play it on on. Um, switch but it just fits the gamecube controller brilliantly so let's uh let's get some of that on the go yeah i think it had to be here it's um yeah a slightly tougher one to swallow i mean if anything you could argue that a slightly weaker mario is one of the things holding the gamecube back a little bit this generation um 
It was still know. like a must-buy game, though. Yeah. Does it like arrive slightly later than maybe people wanted it to as well, this one? I don't know. I'm like, trying yeah. to remember. I remember really waiting for it and waiting for it. And like NGC like gave it as good a write-up as they gave any Mario, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Before video, just seeing the screens of it just looked great. and uh, It's a very beautiful game. Yeah, absolutely a good pick. Yeah, I think um, you know it has to be here for sure, even yeah. if it's not the uh, the finest hour. Yeah. Okay, so my first free pick is Ninja Gaiden Black. It's mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the best uh, 3D action games ever made, action combat games. It's uh, like a, a revised and expanded version of Ninja Gaiden, which released earlier in the Xbox's lifespan, um, a Tecmo game. And uh, had like added more difficulties, more missions, remixed the game. Just generally speaking, um, I think that like this still this still looks really phenomenal for the time. This is a great looking game. Um, I I don't know much about the collection they did this year with them in, but I think that like this original Xbox original was still considered like the best way to play it. So uh, yes, I very much um, very much recommend it. Plays really well still, and uh, really fast paced action, really hard. You know, definitely like a challenging compared to your Death May Cries and the like. Doesn't really um, play itself, but definitely like one of the quintessential uh, Xbox Japanese games that came out around this time. Tecmo quite big on the Xbox. It was um, mm. I couldn't quite bring myself to pick Dead or, Dead or Alive three, but um, I did think <laughs> that this was fine. Um, although I did enjoy Dead or Alive three, I thought that was when the series had like a. A little bit more cred, I suppose, in the eyes of people. So, um, yes, Ninja Gaiden Black, Matthew, any thoughts? Uh, I'm terrible at it. Uh, I foolishly wrote it into a list feature when I was on Xbox On and then had to take capture of it. And it took me about the length it took me to do the rest of the capture for the entire list feature just to get the stuff that I wanted from this (laughs) um, to make it look not shit and unconvincing because it is so hard but also a thing of beauty. Yeah, for sure. So I thought I had to come out of the gates quite strong mm-hmm. here. So, uh, yeah, that was my first pick. What's your first, a second free pick, Matthew? Let's go with a big old fan favourite. Let's go Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Yeah, had to happen. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, maybe it's the contrarian in me. It bugs me a little, like, how much this is held up over subsequent ones. Like, people treat the subsequent Paper Marios like they're dishwater. And maybe this is because I'm, I've been this year playing through the Origami King and absolutely loving it. I think it is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game. And in my head, like, every bit as good as, like, as enjoyable as Thousand Year Door. But at the time, I did love this. I felt like it's a big step up over Paper Mario on the N64. Like, they really worked out the tone of it, the kind of variety of the adventures you have. Each chapter is, like, a real story. That's what I love about Paper Mario. Every part of the game doesn't just feel like going to a location and fighting a boss it feels like you meet all these weird characters and there are lots of mini arcs it's like definitely like nintendo's most like narratively sophisticated series you know for, for a company that doesn't really do that that often it's it's quite interesting how they kind of dig into like the mythology of the characters and the, the psychology of a fucking goomba i'm sure i've said all this before but uh you know thousand year door definitely cherished doesn't really exist outside of gamecube so um why not? Yep, a good pick. Um, uh, you know, definitely one that I think people were tweeting about before we even did this draft. So, yeah, clearly some fans yeah. of it out there. Yeah. And, yeah, like definitely um, cast such a long shadow that people still talk about it all these years later when any new yeah. game where it comes out. Much to your uh, disappointment, I'm sure. But um, There was a voice in the back of my head that was like, I shouldn't include this just to, just to spite <laughs> the Paper Mario fanboys. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? I need the votes. Yeah, you can't so. self-sabotage. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not in this draft. Um, yeah. So I've got, I'm have got. i going to go completely the other way for my second free pick, Matthew. 
Um, this is like quite a wild pick, but you can't play it anywhere right now. And guess what, my friend? There's a new Matrix film coming out this year. Oh, my word. The Matrix Path of Neo. That's my free pick number two. We're going to untangle that from all of its licensing issues. You can play it on my Xbox Mini. You're going to have a great time. Fight lots of Agent Smiths. More like six or seven. And then like a sea of them in a weird pre-canned animation in the background. Um, go through all three films as the one. And um, yeah, it, it have, a, have a good time with some very nice looking fighting animations in, um, in a game that will never be re-released, I'm sure. But um, yes, you can have as a curiosity on, on my console. And I think there's like a big part of these consoles that have to scratch that itch of like what can i not get anywhere else what makes it super compelling and i think like between this and like the simpsons hit and run i've hit two weirdo kind of like licensed picks that i think people had fond memories of whether justified or not that's not for me to decide however the christmas market i think will be very excited about this one matthew any thoughts (laughs) this is a period where like the it's sort of where the movie license game dies, but also some people just chuck so much money at them that they are the AAA games of their time, and it's easy to forget that. Like they look amazing, they have all this kind of crazy stuff. They're maybe not the deepest games, you know. I think of this period. I think of things like this. I think of EA's Lord of the Rings games as well. Very shiny, very polished things. They look highly desirable in footage. I think this is a gr- a great pick. <laughs> Wow, okay. I was not expecting that. I'd be more into playing this than Simpsons Hit and Run as a game. Um, I'm a, I, I've got a real fondness for the sort of 7, 8 out of 10 movie licensed title that, that now everyone is like above. Like no one would ever make these games anymore. But back then, they used to happen. I was kind of into them. Yeah, the thing is, this came after like Enter the Matrix, which was such a disappointing Matrix Oh, I game. owned that one. That was shit. <laughs> Do you have that across two discs on GameCube? Is that how they did it? It's like all the characters you're not interested in in a Matrix. It's like, what happened to them in a film? And you're like, no one cares. And then they're like, what about what happens to everything that happens to Neo? And you're like, yeah, of course I want to play that. <laughs> it's when like when they um, announced the um, Matrix Resurrections cast, and they were like, Jada Pinkett Smith. And I was like, no, not Niobe again. No. I mean, <laughs> Niobe was better than Ghost, at least. Ghost was like a complete non-entity of a character. <laughs> But, but it had, um, it had those yeah. terrible bits where you were like escaping the squids. They're like, oh, I know what everyone wants to do, the real world stuff where it's just dark and there's a giant robot <laughs> octopus up in your grill 24-7. And it ends with Going Under by Evanescence playing over the closing credits, the most 2002-ass like, piece of music possible. <laughs> but, yeah, but like the, the path of Neo comes along and it's like, you can finally play as Neo. You can do all the things that Neo does, his mega punch, his like, bullet dodging. You can play all of the different set pieces in the films. The one bad thing about this is it well you know it's a seven and eight out of ten it's gonna have dated in a lot of ways but the the main thing is it doesn't have the the movie's music the music was so so good in the matrix but it doesn't Mm. have the same music that's one part it lets down but if you want to play a game that's as close to like the definitive matrix experience as possible this is that game and it's a real curiosity pick so um yeah why don't you uh hit me with your third free pick matthew Uh, i bought it up in our uh, best horror games i'm gonna go for eternal darkness Mm. uh which is GameCube's Lovecraftian um, sanity-sapping horror, which jumps through uh, thousands of years playing multiple characters as they all fight some cosmic horror, lose their minds, and trigger quite goofy but endearing insanity effects where like, your head floats off or the game pretends to crash. Again, just doesn't go anywhere this game doesn't uh, doesn't exist in any other form this you know there was a failed kickstarter for a spiritual successor um 
but it's it's really like fully formed off the bat very very strong a kind of interesting what if nintendo was involved in a horror game which hasn't really ever been asked uh, before or since but i think people will have a lot of fun with this one yep uh, has to be on the list and uh, would make me buy a mini console frankly like um i think there should be a way that you can play this on modern consoles it's a real shame that you can't so um <laughs> hopefully someone still has the source file somewhere but uh yeah <laughs> Maybe Dyke's got it on like a USB drive or something. Okay, so yeah, good choice, Matthew. Oh, God, I've got this on my GameCube. I should generally sit down and play through it properly at some point. Although when it does the TV turning off effects and like 480i, I'll be pretty sure that my 4K TV isn't going uh, haywire. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's fine. Um, so my third free pick is the Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay. It's strong. This, yeah, this was you know one of the the best xbox exclusives don't know why it didn't come out on other consoles maybe the other consoles couldn't handle it i would say this kind of plays the xbox's strength of feeling like a pc style game on the on the format um first person kind of like melee stealth game where set in the universe of the riddick films that i have no real love for but it's really kind of a game about escaping from a prison and being in prison and then like getting caught and being put in a worse prison which is what happens in the course of this game <laughs> it's just like um a series of prison escapes with like quite meaty melee combat was remade later i thought that the color palette looked better in the original personally um right i, I don't think the remake added loads to it i mean you know it's a way you can play it on like i think you can play it on pc the, the modern one but um you know still I, I think this has to be on the console because it really represented the kind of like it was a cool, weird thing. It was like a great first-person game made by this developer, Starbreeze, who are kind of well-known, but this made them more well-known. This would lead them to make the darkness, obviously, later on. I was, uh, I was, I was very big on it at the time. I think, I think this game holds up. I played it a few years ago mm. for a, a retro gamer piece. Any thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I love Starbreeze's whole first-person sort of cinematic sort of storytelling but like you're very like in the world you're very kind of centered in it and the physicality of the body is really important because it's all about like melee combat that's really well done this was a highly desirable thing like reading about it in um games master at the time uh i played it yeah when they they redid it and re-released it with that expansion on 360 the athena thing Mm -hmm. Yep, that's um, right. Yeah, it, it, uh, I'm, I'm not misremembering. It does the thing where it occasionally spits to third person so you can see Vin Diesel. Yes, I think when he's like climbing and interacting with things, yeah. I'm a kind of a sucker for that. I like games that do the old little bit of a third person. I loved it in Deus Ex Human Revolution as well. I, I, I just, it's, it's cool. Like knowing how to sort of show your character doing the best stuff at, you know, any given time and the, you know, switching perspectives to do that. I'm easily impressed by that. Yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, switching perspectives thing is what makes um, the Quantum of Solace tie in Matthew's favourite game of all time. Um, love seeing a bit of Daniel Craig than going back to first person. Um. <laughs> Cowering behind a pillar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I feel good about this pick. This, rep- this is represents like a big, cool thing that came out on Xbox and I remember thinking, what a treat this is. Just like, yeah, yeah just a completely... Um, offbeat thing you would never expect a, a film a game based on those films to be good but it was better than the films arguably so what's your uh fourth free pick matthew let's go with gamecube's own first person gem uh metroid prime you can play it in metroid prime trilogy on the wii i, I don't know if you're gonna go to all that hassle so having it on here feels like a good fit i forever associate it with that particular controller as well so that will make sense i mean this was just at the time mind-blowingly good felt really exciting that it kind of belonged to gamecube in a way like uh, you know i didn't associate 
you know Nintendo first party with first person games to see them like enter that sort of space and just do it all so perfectly and not just perfectly but like they did stuff that other games have always struggled with like the you know there's lots of platforming in this game and it's really good it's really well judged it's one of the few first person games where you aren't like oh god i gotta do some platforming you know that in itself is kind of miraculous the way it translated the ideas of metroid into a first person shooter into that 3d world just how gorgeous it was it was really difficult made you kind of like fight for every victory and progress was hard won but not so difficult that i couldn't do it but it you know which is actually sort of how i feel at metroid dread as well actually like it's like one of the the, the leftover nintendo games series which is still willing to kind of like have a bit of bite to it and it works really well for this particular character i didn't get on as well with the other two two was just so hard and so bleak with all the dark salmon stuff and the third one was you know a very neat translation with the wii controls and everything but um for, for my money original and best yeah i think um this was one of the ones i kind of feared when i looked over like the metacritic best gamecube games i was like oh yeah there's nothing like this on xbox um it's was such a surprise that this was as good as it was it seemed to have such a kind of like fraught road to completion and Mm. then you know comes out and just really sort of hits all the right marks um felt didn't exactly feel like a first person shooter um you know just the lock-on system yeah exactly and like the animations and stuff like all the enemies have like canned animations they sort of flop over when you kill them in the same way and like but that didn't matter because like you say it's kind of like more adventure game than anything it's about like you know looking around in first person and seeing oh well what's that thing up there well i need to come back later with this power and get there and then Mm. you know what such a hard thing to translate into 3d from 2d and you know it hasn't really been done much in um in 3d uh otherwise outside of this series so just just shows how kind of like deftly they nailed it at the time um also looked really really good like i think this mm. in hd now would just look fantastic still um just yeah. beautiful, beautiful beautiful samus character model on uh, mm. in this game um yeah real good real good matthew and um a nice kind of like uh sort of how to put it like uh, traveling between the different parts of the world in this is really like fun it's just so many different types of area kind of contained in the same place it's just a really cool place to kind of uncover as you go Mm. um good yeah so backtracking is actually kind of fun in this game but yeah good pick i uh, i'm a big fan um cool so my fourth pick is max Payne 2 the fall of max Payne. so Mm. you can um you could play the max Payne games on ps2 but they only really ran well on xbox and pc at the time um, I played both of these on Xbox. I um, The convenience store I used to work in had a bunch of Xbox games and some kind of little promo stand thing. I took both of them home and played them. Um, <laughs> what, instead of selling them, taking them off the shelves, which was Very probably good. not probably not ethical. Um, I don't think they ever sold anyway, to be honest. Like um, Trying to sell Max Payne 1 and 2 in the village of Alverstoke, um, Hampshire, it just seems like a hard sell when it's mostly people coming <laughs> in to buy the Daily Mail and a pint of milk, you know? But um, they gave it a go, damn it. So I was t- I was torn, actually, because I really, I really love the first Max Payne. The second one's not quite as long as the first one, but it is a better game, better shooter, um, better storytelling. This is where 
uh, Max kind of goes on the run with uh, Mona Sachs, turns on the um, on the police department, and it's like a big kind of like noir love story essentially, and um, takes you through this fictional uh, the theme park based on this fictional TV show in the universe of the game, which is a really kind of like neat idea for a level. Mm. And um, generally speaking, I think perfects that kind of like a bullet time shooter, which was pervasive at this time, but never done as well as it was in uh, by Remedy in these games. Mm. Any, any thoughts, Matthew? I do associate this more with pc than console mm. maybe it's just because that's where i played it um you know and because i always thought the max Payne ps2 wasn't wasn't quite all there yeah it's, it's, it is it is a great game and you know people have fun and i imagine there are lots of console people who probably didn't buy this and didn't own this and if they didn't also play it on pc then then you know a good inclusion um really really stylish i love this i love this world i was i wasn't wild about what max Payne 3 sort of direction it kind of took it in i think it lost a lot of the fun and kind of soul of it but um this was uh this was spot on yeah i think um you know there's uh, definitely an argument that you know you can play this on pc you do need to do a bit of faffing with uh, windows compatibility modes to get this running right. on pc um i think that just the convenience of having it on a console would be nice for people just like a really good third person shooter felt like a nice addition here to my list so um Ooh. yeah uh, noted matthew so what's between your between that and uh, neo you've got some good bullet time <laughs> yeah all the bullet time and what can sum up the early noughties better than that um well slow-mo in burnout 3 you've got a very slow-mo heavy console yeah who knows maybe i'm not done yet we'll see but Ooh. um What's your what's your fifth free pick, Matthew? Let's go for Beautiful Joe, one of the Capcom Five, which is the sort of games exclusive games uh, coming to GameCube. Uh, many of which, well, a few of which, then uh, appeared elsewhere, but basically guaranteed GameCube a run of some absolute stonkers. Beautiful Joe, Hideki Kamiya's uh, next game after Devil May Cry, just f- totally frantic, balmy 2D brawler with some speed bullet time elements to it. I was quite bad at this game. I remember <laughs> buying it because I saw footage of it and thought that looked so good. And it looked so good in the hands of someone who was really, really good at it. And I definitely struggled through it. And I feel like I never full saw the full potential of it. Um, I think they, as a team, got much better. Definitely, they took the leap with Bayonetta of adding modes in where like anyone could make that game look pretty pretty awesome, which a Beautiful Joe didn't quite have. You're in this sort of film and the kind of film framing of it with the fast forward and the slowdown and the rewind. Very, very well done. I just think some people will connect with this and, and have a really wild time. I will probably still struggle through it, but I feel like it's such an oddball entry and the look of the thing and the tone of the thing is so distinctive. Um, I'm quite happy putting it in the mix. Yeah, so I, I really love this game. Um, I don't actually think it's like uh, as good an action game as people maybe remember it is. I never finished it, actually. I got to the last level in this, which I think is like this Death Star-style level, and then I found it like abysmally hard. And um, <laughs> I think that like it's maybe slightly incoherent, the action on screen, just because of the sheer amount of things flying around, and then you go in fast motion, slow motion, and there's loads of stuff yeah. going on. It's quite hard to pass compared to something like Bayonetta, there's I would like say. There's pockets where it goes right for you, and you're like, amazing! And then you're like, oh yeah, no, I don't get it at all. Yeah, for sure. But um, I would say that, yeah, this is definitely a game I associate with GameCube. Just looked um, looked fantastic and hasn't been retrieved and put on anything else. Um, was uh, Joe one of the Capcom, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 characters? Did they add him to the roster for that? I can't remember. But um, Oh, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. But that was, um, yeah, I, 
always wondered why they didn't bring this back. I think it's because it was always a modest seller and then just never really came back in any form. But they did make a whole bunch of them, weirdly. Um, there yeah. three, I think there were three on GameCube in the end. But yeah. This, um, is, this is the best. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree. I don't think... Um, yeah, Camille only uh, produced the second it's, one. So, it's yeah. got that weird dinosaur that goes, Davidson is in the house. Do you remember that? <laughs> Uh, vaguely, yeah. I mean, it just he shouts lo- it through the whole level. You constantly hear it, and it it's like a total oh, mealworm. Oh, it just came back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do remember now. Actually, yeah. It's um, like a Triceratops, I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I I think like the le- the the Paris like level is the one I remember from this. Like or whatever it is, the city. Like you just you know mm. so so beautiful. Because maybe it's because um, I think that is the first level, but it just looked the most kind of like stylish and uh, i don't know i always felt like the art style was meant to evoke that kind of like i think they even said it was meant to be french comic book style um and Mm. mobius mobius i believe they said was the um right point of inspiration even though it looks quite different to that but yeah um good stuff yeah good pick matthew i love that game and um i would like to play it again at some point which is why i bought it on gamekeep in real life so good um what's your policy on um two packs of games matthew if you can't actually buy the games individually I'm okay, I'm okay with it. I'll be, like I I'm I'm okay. I'm confident I'm confident there there exists no two pack that I would be nervous about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um okay, so my uh, fifth pre, uh, free pick here will be uh, GTA double pack. This oh, was bollocks. Grand Theft <laughs> <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um the yeah. originals, the originals as they were. Um, except now you can play um, with the Xbox's uh, hard drive. You can play custom music as you as you play the games. I, I know that these are like first of all PS2 games, but you know they were they were big on Xbox too. And like I say, they're enhanced by the um, having your own kind of music playing in the background. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I forgot about this, um, so that's annoying. But anyway, oh yeah, of course, everyone's everyone's jazzed these games. I mean, in my head, they are PlayStation games, but. You've made a good case for them being um, better and more enjoyable uh, here. So, yeah, why the hell not? Okay, cool. So what's your sixth free pick, Matthew? Do you remember the double pack of... (laughs) Feeds you a line of bullshit. (laughs) Wind Waker and... uh... I thought you might have gone for the Zelda Master Collection thing, but, um, you know, that's like... Let's go Super Smash Brothers Melee. Mm -hmm. Still to this day, like... The well, I was going to say the hardcore Smash Brothers choice, as if that matters to me. It doesn't <laughs> at all. I played so much of this game with my brother. I played so much of Smash Brothers on the N64. Then we picked this up. More characters, more levels. Obviously, much better looking. A really great fit for that controller with just the, the sort of the button layout it had. Oh god, I love melee so much. Definitely my most played Smash Brothers. Um, I can't speak to it as a technical fighter. I'm just not interested in, in that sense. But I thought this 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 package it, it had so much going for it. So many cool modes. It was it was really important that the target Smash mode had an individual level for each different character, which they got rid of in the Wii in Brawl, which I always thought was quite lazy of them. They just had one generic level that all the characters fought through. Stuck in my craw back in the day. Um, <laughs> but melee was just absolutely sweet it isn't quite like they just the encyclopedia of nintendo that these games are from like brawl forwards yeah you know in terms of like it doesn't have like the infinite music tracks it has a great selection but it isn't quite the it isn't the same sort of museum piece that the latest smash brothers become but as just a really hyper colorful hyper playable game multiplayer classic i mean come on 
it's it's got to go in there. Yeah, I think so. Um, this was the game I covered the most as someone who didn't have a GameCube at the time. Um, I remember seeing footage for this like towards launch and thinking, "Holy shit, that looks amazing!" Um, like I think it's like three years between this and the original, and they look about ten years apart. Yeah. It's just like sheer magic how this game looked compared to that, and the pace of it was obviously a lot faster. Um, the levels looked loads better. Just yeah, um, spot on. Really, I was. Um, I remember buying the. Uh, do you remember the? I think it was the first issue of NGC that had the orange VHS tape on it. Um, yeah. you, and I remember watching that VHS tape over and over again. I was fascinated by some of the games on there, um, a couple of which didn't come to come to pass. But um, yeah, I think uh, this is one of those trailers I remember just watching over and over again, thinking, fuck, that looks so, so good. I really wish I had that. But um, yeah, good choice, Matthew. And definitely one I would play on the uh, on the console before remembering Phew. I can go play... Um, I can go play a Switch version that's got fucking 20 times more characters in it. But, you know, still very good. I'm very coveted. <laughs> still very coveted by that audience. Unbelievable, dig. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no denying that people love uh, Melee. People still talk about it in that community nonstop. So a good pick for sure. Um, okay, so my sixth free pick, tough here. I'm really, there's like two things that have been pushed out that I really wanted in the list. But I think I've got to go with the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. This okay. is... Um, in terms of RPGs in the system, to a lot of hardcore uh, fans of this fantasy RPG series, this is like the best. They this is the best to them. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Like um, in terms of usability, the later Elder Scrolls games I think just have like the benefits of the modern age. But there's no denying this is like a cool kind of like really weird looking fungi strewn world and. Um, interesting knotty rpg for the time and really kind of like really just showed where rpgs were going on consoles by making it work on the on the hardware i think oblivion's like a more of a breakthrough moment but i think this needs to be on here because this didn't release on any other console um my mate donald had it we played about 20 hours i remember us just getting killed by mushroom looking things over and over again um but uh yeah just felt like i was seeing like the open world rpg sort of like template crystallize and uh, the setting is very memorable. So I think I'm happy to have it on the list on that basis. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, played a little bit on PC. It's always a game I've bounced off of just because it's, you know, it is so open from the start. I feel like you're free to make a lot of bad decisions and then struggle in that world. They definitely get better at, like, introducing you and smoothing your sort of entry into their worlds from, like, oblivion forwards. This one is a little bit harder edged in that sense which is why it didn't quite click with me. But I know there's definitely a lot of people moaning under the uh, RPS Top 100 why it's not on there. So it, it clearly <laughs> resonates. <laughs> yeah, it's another uh, Fallout New Vegas in that respect. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it, there it is. Uh, what's your seventh three pick, Matthew? Let's go with F-Zero GX. Mm-hmm. The stunningly pretty and, sadly, uh, final f-zero game that we got made with sega just unbelievably fast unbelievably good looking there were a couple of games i'd say like weirdly this and probably woke squadron 2 like where i felt like there's something else was going on in that machine that no one else knew about maybe resi 4 as well I couldn't believe how good it looked. It saddens me that it's like it's quite brutally difficult, and I was quite bad at it. I definitely haven't come close to sort of one hundred percent seeing what is in this game, just because it was just so so frantic and fast. A, it's good. B, there just isn't another one for anyone to look forward to, and I don't sort of struggle to sort of see a version where we ever uh, sort of see how we ever do get another one after after this long. Really, yeah, we're approaching twenty years since the last entry in this series, right? So it's um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's like even surprising they didn't even get like a there wasn't even like a 3ds 
version or anything like that. That would, it seems like it would have happened. But yeah, um, I uh, yeah, really, really fast, um, quite hard. I don't know if it was maybe a bit too tricky for me this one um, when I played it a few years ago. Uh, was it hard to you, Matthew? Or do you find it oh, fairly? Yeah, easy? yeah. Like, um, yeah. There's, like I say, you know, there's, there's definitely. I can't remember how the campaign or story mode structure. I think it's got like a mission mode on the side, and some of that is just like impossible. I just don't see how it can be done. And you know, I remember there being lots of jokes in NGC that it became like certain things became shorthand for just being impossible game. Um, about as hard as it came on GameCube. Uh, well, Ikaruga aside. But uh, yeah, I think it has to be on here. I always loved that you could, um, uh, in Japan, plug your memory card into <laughs> the arcade machine and <laughs> yeah. play that there. Like, uh, uh, Surely the number of people who did that was tiny. In, oh, in I should end. have picked the arcade machine as my peripheral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still think you missed a trick with the old Resi chainsaw controller. But, you know. Oh, that's just a gimmick. It looks silly. Okay. Right then, this where it gets really tough. So I've made a difficult decision here with my 7-3 pick. Um, I thought about Bioware's Jade Empire, but I think I'm instead going to take Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. So okay. I think that you need both of these on the Xbox. Like, um, this is the Obsidian one. This is where uh, the game was famously praised for adding some shades of grey to the um, to the way that the, the Force was portrayed, which I think has held up very well as a creative decision. Um, I think having both them on the console will make sense to people. Once people finish that first one, they'll just want to play the second one. They were both Xbox exclusives. There it is on the system, Matthew. Um, tough, uh, tough on this format. There's like so many good Star Wars games on Xbox that they were kind of like vying for places. But I think mm. I'm, I think I, I lean into the strengths of this console specifically by taking both of the Kotor games. So um, that's my thinking. Any thoughts? Yeah, I'd be up for it. I, I haven't actually played Kotor 2, so I feel like that this would be a good, easy way to access it. It's quite a lot of... Like, two two doses of Star Wars RPG on one... Ah, oh, match. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, you know, 20, they've got, we've got 20 games, so uh, I think that's fine. 21. But, uh, You've got 21. I have got 21, yeah. Have I have I fucked you there? Are you upset? No, yeah, but it's fine. It's yeah. absolutely fine. <laughs> okay, what's your eighth pick? I am denied about this one, but I think I am going to include it. Um, Twilight Princess. Mm, okay, interesting. Which I'm going to include just as a sort of novelty piece, because it came out right at the end. Basically, everyone got this as a Wii launch game, and this was quite hard to find, and... I, you know, I think I only ever saw it in a shop once, and it was like megaly expensive. I don't know if this Nintendo didn't put out a huge amount of it, but you definitely couldn't review it on GameCube. Like they only had it to review on Wii um, at the time. Slightly less of a curio now that they did the HD uh, version on Wii U. But come on, I think more people are going to own the GameCube Mini than own a Wii U. <laughs> it's what I'm betting on here. They famously flipped the whole world for the Wii version to make Link right-handed so that his sword hand would be the Wii remote. Mm. Um, Link is traditionally left-handed, and they literally did it by mirroring the world. So it's the exact opposite of the Wii game, the GameCube version, which is also true of the HD version. They kind of flipped it back again um, for that. For the Nintendo Hardcore, I think there is something interesting about playing games on on their sort of original form factor, their original hardware. The Wii motion stuff arguably didn't add a huge amount to Twilight Princess. Like, it plays brilliantly on buttons, so would play brilliantly on a, on a GameCube controller. I feel like people were waiting for this game on GameCube for so long that the Wii kind of swept in and sort of stole its thunder. This was always meant to sort of be a GameCube game. That's the kind of technical level it's at. Kind of restoring that kind of bond 
letting people experience it as it was originally intended. I think there's some value in that. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think that, um, you know, it's there is obviously a, a, a remastered version of this, but you have to play it on Wii U, which is, you know, arguably as hard to... Well, no, that's not true. It's easier to do that than it is to play on GameCube. But um, mm. still, you know, it's a, there is a better version of it out there. But um, I agree that, like, uh, a part of this these consoles is the curio factor, hence why Star Fox 2 was a good fit for the um, mm. SNES Classic that they did. But, yeah, yeah, good choice, Matthew. Um, yeah, I think people would be curious enough to pick that up. Uh, by the way, during that, I heard you rustling some Rennie, just like <laughs> people playing the Black Beast drinking game at home. So, you know, that's, uh, that's good. So we're on to my eighth pick, yeah? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so there's a bunch of good multi-format stuff that's like kind of like in danger of being swept out of here. But there's some stuff where I'm like, it would just be cool to have it on the console. So that's why here I'm going to go with The Warriors from Rockstar. Oh. Yeah, so a game that you can't play on GameCube. Didn't come mm-hmm. out on GameCube. Rockstar wasn't massive on the GameCube for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we came up on the PS2 draft, adaptation of the film, uh, Walter Hill film, v- kind of about basically like a, a gang that is framed for uh, killing this 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 guy who's like trying to bring all the different gangs in this dystopian New York together in a kind of peace sort of ceasefire. And um, he is assassinated. It's pinned on this group and they have to basically like run across Manhattan to get back to um, Coney Island, which is where their base is. This game expands on that significantly by essentially showing a kind of origin story for the, for the mm-hmm. Warriors. Um, and like uh, you join the gang, you take place in all these different missions, basically go to these like mini riots across um, New York City with this kind of like very grungy 70s um, sort of vibe with this great music. They got the original voice cast back. Um, it was fantastic. It's one of the best licensed games ever made. Um, still very fond of it years later. I think this holds up because it's not that complicated a game. It's not like um, the old Rockstar games that required third-person aiming. This is all like, you know, melee brawling and stuff. Mm. So still very playable, very enjoyable. Good to play in um, uh, two-player split-screen co-op as well. I was playing that with my buddy Andrew a few weeks ago. Runs a bit runs a bit iffily on PS5, actually, the um, most recent version of this. But yeah, um, has loads of these kind of like colors that are like flip reversed and it goes all kind of a bit it goes a bit weird and doesn't quite fit together so i'll have this on a mini console maybe Mm. not like the most quintessentially xbox game but then you know it's not really i kind of just saw this as a multi-format game and i'm claiming it so that's where i'm at with it matthew Mm. any thoughts yeah i mean i i included it on my ps2 mini um for pretty much the same reasons um yeah nice grown-up licensed game has a really nice relationship with the source material treats it with a lot of respect expands it yeah this is great good stuff so what's your ninth pick let's go for a biggie let's go for resident evil 4 Mm -hmm. which i know you can play on just about every console under the sun but again just a, a a sort of definitive um gamecube game for me there was nothing i was more excited about um i remember getting this for a pound um, because game had a trade in X Games, get a game for a pound, and I traded in a load of old uh, crap. I think I traded in like Medal of Honor or Call of the, whichever one the Call of Duty or Medal of Honor was about, like Pearl Harbor, whichever that one was. Oh yeah, that was um, uh, the Pacific one. Yeah, yeah, Rising Sun. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, that and some other crap I had lying around the house. Traded in, had the best ever fucking time with this game blew me away how good it looked like I, again just uh just felt like a 
almost like a sort of generational leap like within a console i just couldn't believe it looked as good as it did um the control is really well made for it that hitting that a for like some mad quick time events that giant fat a button on the gamecube controller come on that's that's heaven right there i wouldn't say there's like many better versions of this in terms of like uh, like hd ports and stuff it's never you know it's never been particularly well treated after the fact i don't think you know it's pretty much perfect here maybe you like the wii remote aiming of the wii version i would still take uh take this version over that so um onto my console it goes any curiosity about playing the vr one they released matthew it's, it's the idea of like lengthy vr games they really do do my head in a bit i'm just not really made for it um I played uh, Alex, I guess, so I've, you know, obviously got can can stick that. Um, it's just the faff of VR. When do you ever want to stick your head in that machine? You know. <laughs> the thing is, I I agree. This has to be on the system. It's just a defining um, Resident Evil game. Did, did you um, decide to just pick this and not the Resi remake, Matthew? You weren't interested in that. Yeah, anymore? I think because I think the Resi remake, you, like that's also playable on a lot of other things and i think it just holds up better like i think actually the hd versions of that are quite nice and quite handsome it's just i no one's you know i'm not saying they were better than they were on the gamecube but um for whatever reason this is this is the one resident evil one almost makes it on but not quite yeah this is like um you know this is again there was a time where this was highly coveted as like you know a gamecube exclusive like i do just remember how hot it was it was so many years it was in development for the time like um seeing different versions of this yeah i think the ghosts and all that shit yeah i think there were four versions in total that saw the light of day in some form um you know which is uh, sort of like bizarre Uh, side note that archipel documentary series really interesting the beautiful joe one for kind of giving you a snapshot of what was going on in um shinji mikami's uh, division four at capcom at the time and um right. just like how that team was structured i didn't realize their biggest project for a long time was that dead phoenix game on gamecube that got completely scrapped that was oh, right. um yeah and like uh yeah i think that the reason beautiful joe exists is because they um basically wanted Kamir to be trained as like a game director and to make a game with a small team so anyway that's interesting stuff but yeah um Resident Evil four obviously a quintessential gamecube game has to be on here even if everyone's already played it to death so um yes good choice so my ninth pick I'm going to do a bit of counter-attacking here you picked Hitman 2 earlier I'm going to pick Hitman Blood Money which came out on the original Xbox did it? Um, I think like oh, I actually forgot that <laughs> I thought that was a 360 game <laughs> it's on 360 as well but it's on the original Xbox too oh fuck I wouldn't have picked Hitman 2 if I'd known that <laughs> <laughs> oh well I don't. I actually like. It didn't cross my mind to pick this at first. So I thought you, like me, would have thought, well, if you're going to play a Hitman game these days, you'll just go pick the um, HD ones. But hey, you know, these are different Hitman levels. It was. Yeah. I, it was better than the um, than Hitman Two and Contracts. It got steadily better. The series um, it calcifies here the kind of storytelling element of Hitman um, that it gets really good at. Yep, some very memorable levels here, of course. Um, some of which have um, been picked up again in, in later entries. Um, the kind of a new a new life, where it was called the you know undercover suburbia one. yeah yeah so very very good um you know memorable kind of american style levels so yes um hitman blood money you know you can buy the gamecube and play hitman 2 you can buy the xbox and play this um better game so that's um a bit of uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bit of fire there um i was curious on this kind of like type of game matthew um you didn't consider picking metal gear solid the twin snakes no i just think still in my head metal gear like belongs belongs to playstation um it is a curio and they did do a nice job they brought a lot of stuff into it you know they 
updated well it's basically with with the metal gear solid 2 mechanics mm. um and psycho mantis you know reads your memory card and it does all your you know you like putting monkeys in balls or whatever <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kind of jazz maybe that would have been a good curio it was on the long list but um you know i just had to go and pick up a fucking hitman 2 didn't i <laughs> <laughs> oh never mind um yeah oh, damn it. that's very annoying <laughs> Um, uh, I also thought about I did think about the other IO game Freedom Fighters Yeah I thought about that too I also thought about Second Sight mm-hmm. I just didn't love either of them enough But they were rare a- adult action games On GameCube also Yeah, um, Which was you know worth some novelty points But maybe not as exciting In the context of the mini console Fair enough, yeah. So that's yeah, that's it. Him and Blood Money. Then that's my ninth free pick. So what's your final free pick, Matthew? I think that's I can guess what it is. Going su- as mainstream as you like. Uh, I'm going Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker, the Zelda that belongs on a purple box. In the same way that Super Monkey Ball looks like a game that should come out of that console, so is is Zelda Cell Shaded Zelda, as people sort of called it at the time. In the run-up, a game I couldn't comprehend something looking as just beautiful as this. Uh, you know, the, the, the just that art style and the colours and the lighting and the execution of that, and then just how brilliantly realised it was in the final thing. Like, it, it, you know, a game that only really existed as screenshots, a tiny little bit of footage on that video... But yeah, I got it. I was just so happy with it. We talked about it a lot on the on the uh, Zelda podcast that we did, um, which you definitely listen to if you're coming to this podcast late, because that's got heaps of Zelda chat. But um, for me, the the ocean and exploring the ocean just taps into the spirit of adventure in the way that I think Zelda should. You know, every dot on the horizon becoming a weird little island, even if it was just there for like a stupid joke from Tingle or, you know, one treasure chest or something. Just the sensation of going to somewhere and it potentially being something was really exciting. You know, maybe not the greatest Zelda in terms of like dungeons. Don't worry, I got you covered with Twilight Princess for that. That has got as many as more dungeons than you know what to do with. The pair of these games cover like very different Zelda territory both demonstrate nintendo brilliantly it just feels like probably like the definitive gamecube game in my head and so i think it has to be on there i think it does it is a slight bummer that there's like a superior version of this that exists on wii u um but obviously that's not not... it makes this version still handsome you know yeah they're not stylistically the same like visually quite different i was more thinking though the um the sailing just being a bit less unwieldy or a bit bit yeah. faster a bit more flexible on the new ones yeah yeah I and mean, that's the benefit of the wii u ports of both of the games i've picked like they just add some like accessibility usability features in mm. um but the core games are like unchanged i think so yeah you know you could level the same criticism at the gta double pack as well so yeah um cool yes uh good pick matthew um i yes I echo that that zelda episode is like one of my very favorites that's like you know uh absolutely packed i mind matthew for great content that day it was a good um a good time for all so yeah. those are all your gamecube picks matthew i'm ending on wind waker i'm feeling that is a much better conclusion than red faction <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but rest assured had i picked time splits 2 matthew would have picked red faction i'm sure on uh, GameCube. <laughs> um i think the second one came out on gamecube but anyway uh yes so um my final pick then is something that's very xbox specific crimson skies high road to revenge now i played this recently on for the first time and it's fucking great so kind of like steampunky sky captain the world of tomorrow kind of like playing combat game basically 
Um, really, really good. There aren't like modern versions of this, really. It's a very like of its time kind of thing. Existed in that kind of like post sort of like flight simulator game era, like post X-Wing era, where people were making these more like, I don't know, probably most comparable to something like Rogue Leader, to be honest. Um, but I think it has a little bit more meat on the bones gameplay wise. And um, has like a load of different uh, planes you can pick for each level, and then d- d- uh, upgrades you can apply uh, to make them even better. Um, great tone, actually looks really nice still as well. There's like um, the, the city of Chicago you go to later on is actually a genuinely beautiful cityscape, even in 2021, considering how old this is. A sequel to a PC only game, but um, a very well remembered Xbox game that didn't sell amazingly at the time. But also, I believe, had like quite an acclaimed multiplayer mode, um, which I haven't tried. But uh, I don't know, in theory, maybe you could play that on this mini console. I don't really know what the situation is there. But hmm. let's say you could. That would be a cool thing, like um, kind of ambiently sharing like uh, these open world, little, little kind of like hub worlds with different players. That could be fun. So uh, thoughts on that one, Matthew? Yeah, I love it. Great sense of adventure. Very like uncharted uh, What happened to this era where like loads of people were making dogfighting games? Like They're just really fun. Like, they're really, like, arcade pleasures. Between this and, like, Star Wars, Rogue Squadron, Starfighter as well. Like, this was just a really good time for flying around the skies and shooting stuff down. That stuff is always cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know why more people don't do it. And quite completely of its own thing, you know, it's quite hard to kind of put alongside, like, any core Xbox, like, identity. You know, it doesn't really sort of gel with anything else. It's like a completely random punt they've taken on something. But, um... Yeah, I likewise came to this really late. I only played it on backwards compatibility on Xbox One, um, but was completely taken with like how charming and playable it is. Uh, this is a really, really good pick. Yeah, I had a great time blasting through this. Um, I think it belongs on there. Some of the other stuff I considered on there for, for the hit for here was like uh, I thought about the Phantom Dust. I think it is like a card game on Xbox, mm. but like um, again, I don't think people really know what that is, and I can't guarantee the HD that people... version of that was that game's piss. <laughs> oh really really i not played it but it was free, yeah i played it? it on hdm was like yikes like we didn't even cover it on the xbox channel i don't think <laughs> <laughs> well okay i've not picked that then so that's fine um like i said breakdown i thought about that um i was so close to picking star wars battlefront 2 but i thought ah uh, i don't know like it's a uh, it's mm. i've got i've already got a bit of star wars on my list and um and have got halo as well and um they're, they're fun seven out of tens to star wars battlefront games but i don't know it was tough I, I did very nearly pick it but in the end i thought destroying matthew's hitman 2 pick was more important so that's <laughs> any love for odd world i'm not a big odd world guy it's not really my, so strangest wrath is the one on xbox that, right that, that that was the one which will I, I got minor pangs of jealousy from just because it reviewed so well and came out of nowhere in games master i was like oh wow what's this yeah. game yeah i played it on uh, ps3 a few years ago and it wasn't quite my sort of thing yeah um, same here yeah so uh, you know first person so kind of like a bit different to the other ones, right? It was like first person kind of game and metal third person. I don't remember, but like, oh, no, I think it's. I think it did the old uh, Riddick switcheroo. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like quite intricate and interesting, but just not not really for me. Tone wise, I just don't think I'm an odd world kind of guy. But uh, yeah. Mm. So Matthew, let's recap our picks. So um, should we go one by one through the categories, starting in phase one? Yes, um, do it. Okay, so for adventure or RPG, I have Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I've got Beyond Good and Evil, but others are coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, for shooter, I've got Panzer Dragoon Auto. I've got Time Splitters 2. Uh, a game that he hates. Um, I've, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for fighting or sports, I've got Jet Set Radio Future. I've got Soul Calibur 2. Uh, for platformer, I've got Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. 
I should have stolen that. Instead, I've got Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Uh, for license game, I've got The Simpsons Hit and Run. I've got Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. For launch game, I've got Halo Combat Evolved. I, I easily dwarf that with Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for stealth or survival horror, I have Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Oh, I've got hit that too, Silent Assassin. <laughs> uh, for multiplayer, I've got Halo 2. I've got WarioWare Inc. Mega Party Games. Uh, for racing, I've got Burnout 3. I've got Mario Kart Double Dash. For wildcard, I've got Steel Battalion with the controller that comes with the system. Oh, I forgot to mention I've got the bongos with Jungle Beat. <laughs> yeah, very important to point that out. Yeah, uh, I've also got for my wildcard Killer Seven. Uh, so then we go to Phase Two, which is the ten free picks. My first free pick is Ninja Gaiden Black. I went Super Mario Sunshine first. Um, for my uh, second free pick, I did The Matrix: Path of Neo. <laughs> I went with Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Very comparable games there. Um, uh, for the third free pick, I went with The Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay. Then I went with uh, Metroid Prime, I think. <laughs> for my fourth free pick, I went with Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne. Nice. Then I went with Eternal Darkness? Yeah, I think so, <laughs> maybe. Um, for free pick five, um, I screwed over Matthew and picked GTA Double Pack. So that's GTA 3 and Vice City. Then I think I went Super Smash Brothers. My sixth free pick, I went with The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Then I think I had Beautiful Joe. For my seventh free pick, I had Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. I had F-Zero GX. And for the eighth free pick, I had The Warriors. Then I went Twilight Princess, aka uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Uh, for the ninth free pick, I had Hitman Blood Money. Then I went for Resident Evil 4. For free pick 10, I had Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge. And I finished off with The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Okay, so you can vote over at uh, Backpage Pod on Twitter. Like I say, I think Mario will win. Uh, Mario, I think Matthew will win. <laughs> I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know. I, th- I think you've made a super compelling case, but I don't know if that's just me as a non-Xbox guy thinking, well, I'd get a lot out of that Xbox console. Yeah, I think that um, I, there's just a few here that I'm just like, those are really, really strong picks. That's why I kind of like, I had Steel Battalion in my back pocket. And I thought, you know, Jet Set Radio Future as well. That's not something that people have access to. That would be a really fun one. I think I've, I've maximised games where they're harder to get hold of now, you know? So The Simpsons Hit and Run, mm. The Matrix, Path of Neo. Uh, hey, still... I'm, I'm up for that. I'm genuinely down for that. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be. So I, I think, I don't know, I'm not sure. I think I could, like, log on to Twitter the day after and see, like, 20% Samuel, 80% Matthew, but we'll see. Um, back page pod on Twitter. You can vote on the poll for the next seven days from when this episode goes live. So, um, good stuff, Matthew. There's one other game I wanted to ask you about. Um, Luigi's Mansion, you weren't big on that one? I liked it enough at the time. I think A, there's a better version of it on 3DS and I think there are just better sequels that I would suggest playing Luigi's Mansion 3 instead doesn't quite hold up as well it's very sort of short and throwaway more of a tech demo it's fine I also felt a little bad for not throwing in Pikmin but Pikmin 3 is so much better than Pikmin 1 and 2 so mm. yeah Pikmin that, Animal Crossing as well I thought that was very quintessentially GameCube you know again there's just so much better versions which is so close to it that's the problem with a lot of the Nintendo stuff is that actually finding games where there's like a huge gulf in the series or that's still sort of justified playing now some of them are just some of the series evolve less and so it's harder to make a case for them okay yeah fair enough um those are <laughs> billy hatch and a giant egg matthew <laughs> oh fuck that i bought that and it absolutely fucking blew i hate that game 
Lots of people try and tell you it's like, oh, it's a quirky hidden gem. That game sucks. <laughs> Doshi the Giant? I mean, it's cute, but it's weird. Oh, maybe, like, I, I kind of feel bad about Hitman 2. It feels like that could have been a chibi robo. I also feel like it could have maybe squeezed in a Harvest Moon. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone would actually give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough thing, isn't it? It's like it's a mix between what will people like... When will people look at the fucking screenshot I put on Twitter? What will they actually vote for? Um, yeah, but that, that's good. I think we've got two good lists there. I think sometimes as well you've got to go against the very obvious ones because they might not do any favours for you. That was why I didn't pick Fable. Because I just didn't think Fable would get people excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just worry that I, I maybe blew a couple of like chances to do that on on some like mind games that just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the two I just really wanted more than anything else were Prince of Persia and Burnout 3, and I didn't realise Burnout 3 wasn't on GameCube. Oh, uh, you a... see, Prince of Persia was on my, like, because I was, I was just thinking, should I deny him it? But I thought, oh, no, he'll just have Psychonauts, and it, I think that's more interesting in a way. But, um, you know, so it goes. That's the draft. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why I didn't pick Psychonauts in the end. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because the the other ones on Game Pass are so easily available. I don't know. That's not a good argument, uh, though. Pr- Prince of Persia is, is, is a better platformer as well. So Yeah, yeah, for, for, yeah, absolutely. So, Matthew, that's the draft done. Like I say, back page part if people want to vote. This this draft was a bit of a, a, a bit of an education or a reminder of the strengths of Xbox. Okay. So yeah. I can, like, you know, I'll dull back on some of my initial venom. <laughs> Oh god, that's gonna be so embarrassing to listen back to that where we're like two like basically big children falling out. Um, <laughs> mostly, mostly me because I'm the I'm the real child here. Um, but yeah, good, good stuff. I think it's um, fun anyway. It's fun to just audit the libraries of those consoles. What a fun thing yeah. to dip into. I do love doing the draft. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about that on a future episode. So I got one question here. It's from Jacob Bisley. If you'd like to send us a question, backpagegames at gmail dot com. I will say, I'm going to put a call out here. We'd love to do another mailbag in the new year. So if you'd like to send us questions to like um, pile up for that, anything you like, we'll go through those then. Um, so, uh, hi guys, sent you a question before, but I'm a mug. Listened to an episode the other day where you covered it. Here's a new one. Do you have a favourite cancelled game? One that seemed super intriguing, but never made the light of day. I was thinking about Sadness for the Wii. It sounded super bleak and quite horrific and would have been a unique and more adult title for the Wii. Very few and far between. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, any uh, got a favourite cancelled game, Matthew? Things that you wanted to look for, you were looking forward to that didn't quite happen. The very last demo that I saw for Scalebound, I thought it was coming together. It was a game which was very muddled, but then the last demo they showed us, where there was just a bit more interplay between the character and the giant monsters, which seems to be the mechanic lifted wholesale for Bayonetta three. Interestingly enough. Um, <laughs> That I was like, oh, actually, finally, this game is speaking to me, and then they cancelled it. So probably that. Yeah, it might have been. It might have gone down well in the uh, in those kind of slightly quieter years for the Xbox. Um, mm. But yeah, so for me, I th- I was cu- I actually was quite curious about Star Wars thirteen thirteen after reading um, about mm. it in Jason Schreier's book. That sounded like it was actually coming along quite fast and was getting closer to the finish line. Um, and then obviously the Disney thing happened. Uh, that was one. Um, Something very, just very side note. Well, I was reading some old NGCs to remind myself about the GameCube and for their review of um, the Bounty Hunter game on GameCube and multi-format. Was it called Star Wars Bounty Hunter? Uh, ja- yeah, the Django Fett one. Yeah, the tagline was, um, you know when you've been Django'd. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me laugh. Oh dear, that's like pure... Uh, games, UK Games Magazine gag, guys. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, very good. Um, Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, that was that visceral Star Wars game Amy Hennig was making. I was curious about that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I would like to have seen, like, you know, the Amy Hennig version of Star Wars. That would have been cool. I just um, want another Amy Hennig game, really. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to get one, which is nice. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, that aside, yeah, not not loads. Um, did you ever... <laughs> were you ever interested in a Ravenblade on uh, GameCube, Matthew? Did you ever pay attention to that one? Remind me. It was like a retro studio's, like, fantasy action game. And I think it got canned so they could just focus on Metroid Prime. But it was like a, it was on the um, that uh, VHS actually that came with the first issue of NGC. That one is completely passed from my mind. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair what enough. Was the, what was the one about the vampire? Oh, Blood Rain. That's what I'm thinking of. No, oh, yeah, that came out. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, I can't think of many more, but the, that was the thirteen thirteen is the one that kind of comes to mind. Um, Sadness, incidentally, I don't know if that was ever really a game. That only ever existed as a couple of like basically photo real as in i think they were photographs of real people <laughs> right okay <laughs> yeah that's that's the the team that went on to do layers of fear that's that's i think that's the origins of blooper team oh cool that is interesting yeah there you go i think so anyway oh, all right good good cool well that's the podcast done matthew like i say if people want to vote on the uh, poll back page pod on twitter and uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Where can people find you on social media, Matthew? Uh, Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. You'll I'm... also find me hovering under the pole, writing obnoxious comments about anyone who disses me. <laughs> I think you're describing me there, not yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, we'd appreciate it, or Apple Podcasts. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Goodbye. Bye for now. Bye for now.